control Shoveling dirt in every hole Predators to condemn your soul Watching you and watching me We're all connected but separated Misunderstood and so frustrated A million armies of one have invaded Watching you and watching me To make headlines be immortalized Everyone's got an electric eye with the digital spies Brother, standing by to dethrone each other, watching you and watching me. Paranoid, the lens is our weapon. Desensitized in our lust for attention. Democratized by our boyer obsessions, watching you and watching me. Slaves to perfection, don't let them project you as you
The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio, Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. Atop the mountains of British Columbia, to you, listening around the world, this is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. You can follow us on our website. SpacedOutRadio.com on iTunes and TuneIn. Follow Dave on Twitter at SpacedOutRadio.com on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show or on our YouTube channel Spaced Out Radio Show. Game on! Game on! Game on! Dave, oh Dave, are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Password is. All right, all right, all right. Okay, seriously, what's with the points? Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. <laughs> seriously, Dave? Really? Bye. Bye bye. Captain, take your seat on my left. It's time for takeoff. Good evening and welcome to Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's good to have you along for the ride wherever you are on this fine planet we love to call Earth. 
How y'all doing tonight? We are live right now in Uncle Jimbo's cabin right here in the Great White North on this Friday night, early Saturday morning, if you are on the East Coast. Let's welcome in everyone listening in on SpacedOutRadio.com, on Spreaker, on the United Public Radio Network, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, and on Revolution Radio as we do this thing every night of the week, rocking in and out of every single show Thanks to our resident guitar god, Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot is the official sound of SOR. Hey, if you're a social media junkie like I am, you can follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can follow me on Instagram, Dave Scott. SOR. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. And our website is spacedoutradio.com. While there, we have a plethora of features for you, which we're going to get to in a few moments. Hey, if you want to take part in this show, you got to remember a couple of things. Number one, we don't take phone calls, but we do take your questions and comments out of the chat rooms, either on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or on Facebook at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Or if you're on Twitter, use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I'll get to your questions and comments in there as well. Have you signed up for the SOR Space Travelers Club yet? No? Well, you're too late for tonight's draw. Way too late. It's five bucks a month. And with that, your name gets put into private group interviews. You get access to monthly prize draws. We're going to be giving up a little bit more in the near future because we want to give back to you, our listeners. So make sure you get access to our archives as well. And those archives are spread all over the place. We'll get to that in a little bit. Hey, if you're on our website, also read up on my latest blog. Check out the SOR Space Wire for your latest and weird news. And if you've got a sighting or an experience you cannot explain, fill out an SOR Sightlines report. Our researcher, Mike Schmidt, is ready to find out what's going on with you. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas. We love being live in Sin City. We are also live on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you along for the ride as well. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. It's the final Friday of the month, which means it's time for the SOR Paranormal Roundtable. It's a time where we all sit back, kick off our shoes, have a drink, and have some fun on the topics and a little bit of a debate as well. You see, we push pretty hard around these parts on a monthly basis, trying to find the top speakers in the top ends of their research in the fringe stories that are out there. It's hard. It's tiring, as people like Eric Markham are finding out. Not going to lie. Always surprised when this show arrives because I always look right in front of me, right at the calendar. It's right there. And I look at my schedule and I think, wow, that went quick. So tonight our panel consists of Eric Cooper from Forest Moon Paranormal and S4E with E Squared. James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Elizabeth Anglin from Spaced Out Weekend. Everett Themer from Spaced Out Radio. And, of course, the preacher himself, Eric Markham. From the SOR Space Wire and S4 with E squared. Gentlemen and lady, welcome to tonight's show. Can you believe it's already been another month? Wow. Wow. That wow. <laughs> that yeah. has been quick. It did. It this, did. this year is flying. Isn't it? 
Isn't it two months it in is. already? Two months in. I can't, I can't wait for spring. I can't wait to get the garden planted, the orchard in. Uh, I, I can't wait for spring. It snowed today. It didn't stick, but oh my God, we've had more snow this in the last since December than I remember my whole lot, my whole childhood and lifetime here. You know, it's been crazy. It has. You want to be sick, Coop? It was eighty degrees here in North Carolina today. <laughs> Man, my my father-in-law is in Alabama. We took him to the airport last night. He's in Alabama for Mardi Gras. He said it's like seventy in Alabama. Yeah. Right, man. We're, I told him we're sitting. Our, our daughter's sitting there going, "I'm going to cast a spell and make it twenty degrees." He's like, "No, don't do that. No." <laughs> Heck, in the Pacific Northwest here, we've had more snow this year than any other time in 2017. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> That's how it rolls around these parts, Uncle Jimbo. Let me, let me tell you right now. Let me tell you right now. You come up to these parts where I am. No. It has snowed five out of the last seven days. Five out of the last seven days. Sometimes only for an hour. But it's like, come on already. You know, I had the weirdest thing happen a couple of months ago. I don't know if I ever told you guys this. It was so cold up here, and it was how cl- cold was it? I think that day it was like minus. <laughs> I think it was minus twenty six Celsius that day here, and and honestly, I wouldn't have believed if if I didn't see it and witnesses weren't around me. I was standing outside at work during my daytime job doing the thing that I do out there, and. Literally, there's a clear blue sky, not a cloud in the sky. And it was so cold in the atmosphere, it was snowing with not a cloud in the sky. Never seen that mm-hmm. before. Never seen that before. I, I, I was going to ask you, did you see the abominable snowman? No, we haven't yet. We haven't. Too That's, cold for him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. Liz, how are you, my dear? I'm doing okay. You know, it's neither too warm nor too cold here, but it's very, very windy. So, it's a, it's a windy desert place. Um, so, we're all right. I agree. Anyway. I agree. You know, tonight we're going to do something a little bit differently, guys, and we're going to announce it on the air. Okay? Let's have a little bit of a debate. Let's have some fun with this. Okay, if you don't agree with something, let's keep it polite, professional. And, you know, Liz, considering you're the only one of this group who doesn't have a beard, we expect you to pull your socks up high, okay, because that's a lot of pressure that goes on. I'll talk like this. Yeah, just, just lower your voice a couple of octaves. my voice. <laughs> I, w- I would worry if she had a beard. Uh, I would be too. I would be I too. I would too. <laughs> <laughs> But some good news coming out of Space Out Radio Land, and we, we kind of uh, talked a little bit about it. On March 5th, which is a week from Sunday, I'm going to be meeting with a team around here, people whom are involved one way or another in the paranormal field around here, and, because I live in a very seriously haunted area, and putting the feelers out about putting together the first annual Spaced Out Radio Paracon. That will happen on September 29th to October 1st. So mark that on your calendar if you're listening. September 29th to October 1st. 
way up north here in the Caribou of British Columbia. I'll give you the exact place. We're going to be holding it at a resort here in town. They are already, a good friend of mine up here who is on the committee, he runs the resort. He's absolutely pumped up about getting this thing going. And I've kind of put the feelers out to a couple of people. And Miriam Delicato, who had her alien abduction experience literally a mile out of town here where I live, has agreed that if we can get this going and everybody votes unanimously for it, which I expect, she will be the featured speaker of the event. And the crypto guru, Ronald Murphy, said he's not missing it for the world. He's actually going to be flying in from Pennsylvania to attend this event. And it cool. com- That is awesome. And it comes mm-hmm. a week after... It comes a week after Eric Cooper's Forest Moon Paranormal uh, in, uh, Paracon in Concrete, Washington, which would be the weekend of the 23rd, 24th, I believe, Eric? Yep, yep. So everything is coming together. You know what? It amazes me, James. That, yes, sir. That when we, you and I, because you're kind of my teammate here along with everybody else, but you've been with me the longest. But you know what has always amazed me about this show, James, and this whole like, idea and concept of spaced out radio is every time we seem to have an idea, things just fall into place. It's manifestation. Is it? Yeah. You put stuff out there, it comes to you. Now, you do have to put out. Um, that you need an airport built before this, so uh, our there, crypto uh, guru can make it in. Uh, well, there's a runway right beside my house. Yeah, yeah. Was that a leftover from the war or something? No, no. They it's, built. Uh, they built. Literally, they built it because this is was supposed to be a rich person's getaway back in the '60s and '70s when they built my area. It's, oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, face it. A spaced out radio is putting the boo in the caribou. Exactly. So you, you out there in spaced out radio land, if you don't know where the caribou is, it's a section of British Columbia up in Canada here, um, kind of smack dab in the middle of the province. And if you look at it very carefully on Google Earth, you'll see Dave waving from a small <laughs> log cabin. Absolutely, absolutely. And and you know what, we are, besides the Paracon, and like I said, it, it will be voted on on March 5th. We're going to have our first meeting, and it's going to be uh, pretty much unanimous. We're going to tour the facility, and they are so excited about about us having the event that they've actually cordoned off a private bar for everyone so that way we could actually host Spaced Out Radio and Spaced Out Weekend live in front of a studio audience. We are also going to figure out a way that we can get cameras up to the broadcast area where we're going to have the Paracon so those who cannot make it can watch it live on our YouTube channel, Space Out Radio Show. So we're going to be planning a lot of really cool ideas for everyone here. And if you can't make it in because it's too far, too expensive, you know, we want to make sure that you can view it for free 
on our YouTube channel as well. So we're gonna we're gonna do do it try and do it right the first time, and we have enough time and the right guests to to make it happen. So you know that's that's some big news for us, and I hope all of you who are on the West Coast and maybe even some from the East can make it to have some fun with us. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and you're gonna hear a lot about it leading up to the Paracon in the future and i do want to also remember or tell you guys that make sure that if you are coming up to our event force moon paracons and uh, paracon in concrete washington is also the like i said the week right before ours and i really believe that if you're coming up for one if you're traveling to the area for one you might as well hit two okay. exactly you only five hours well- away yeah, it's not that fun. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. So it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's kick things off here, everyone. Oh, one other thing. We're making some changes to our website coming up. Everett Themer, myself, Mrs. SOR, Eric Markham have been working very, very diligently in getting and revamping the SOR Space Wire. We are changing around the website a little bit to add some new and improved features. We're going to be adding, in the near future, another chat room on our website. Because what happens is a lot of people log into our website to listen to the show, and then they hop over to Spreaker, they hop over to the SOR Space Travelers Club, they hop over to, to wherever they are. Okay, what we're going to be doing on our website, one of the new pages that will be coming up is you can listen to the show on our website, but we're going to build a chat room right under there. One of the things that we actually want to work on for our for this as we continue to grow is we want to try and have more people staying a little bit longer on our website because that helps with what we are doing in trying to get the popularity of it out. And the more hits, the more time people spend on our website whether it's reading the SOR space wire that's going to be new and improved, whether it's sitting in on the chat room that we're going to have there very, very soon, and I'll let you know when that happens. But what happens is we're able to bump our way up on Google and all these other search engines because there's a lot of traffic hanging out there, and that's going to help us create more listeners, which is a good thing for everyone. So I'll keep you in touch with that. No, Ron, we aren't messing with the Spreaker chat room. You can still come into the Spreaker chat room. The current chat rooms will stay how they are because you guys are comfortable, you guys are doing what you need to do, but the rest of it, if you want to check it out, that's what we're going to be doing. All right? So we're going to be adding another chat room. Just what we need, James. Another thing to follow during a show. My God. No. My God. (laughs) It's not going to happen. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, I'm so tired today. Hey, let's get to this roundtable thing that we seem to do here every now and again, usually the first Friday uh, or last Friday of every month. And I'm going to kick it off with my question here, and anybody who wants to answer, just jump in. The paranormal debate. What should be the purpose of a ghost investigation? Confirm anybody? it. Confirm what? Confirm the suspicion. And then um, try to help uh, the client first and the spirit second. Uh-huh. Agreed. Um, 
coming from the emergency uh, response perspective, uh, agree a hundred percent. It should be client first. Uh, actually, uh, almost depending on what it is. First, we want to identify what's going on. Is it a uh, is it a, a just a spirit uh, of someone that was alive? Is it an earthbound or a non-earthbound entity? Um, you got to identify what it is, so you know how to address it. And in our case, we either mediate, we pass over, or we remove physically. Um, so yeah, and uh, when it comes to the earth, the earthbound spirit, someone that passed on, I almost want to say it's an equal uh, situation. You want to help the client, but you also want to help the spirit equally. And uh, again, that's either through mediation or it's going to be. Uh, you know, the spirit wants to pass on, but in some cases there's also an entity that, or a, a negative spirit that's keeping that spirit from passing over. So you want to deal with both of those situations. But the, that, that's that's final answer, in, indeed. I think it goes beyond that, though, guys. Uh, I, I really do think it goes beyond that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think it, this goes to the whole point that so many paranormal teams out there, and they know who they are, don't have a bloody clue of what they are actually trying to investigate. They're going to a haunted site that they already know is haunted to prove that it's haunted. And I agree with James. It's got to be about the client. But too many of these groups have no idea what they should be investigating. To confirm a haunted well, place... The- but to confirm a haunted place is haunted, is <laughs> that's, that's a game, man. That's, that's not helping the field at all. But what about the places that don't really have a client? All these groups that are sneaking into places or just wandering around conducting a quote-unquote investigation. Yeah, because if you go to Waverly Hills, which I hear all the time and I'm sick of hearing about, there is no client there. And and, and like you said, Dave, yeah, there's no purpose because, you know what, the first group that went there probably years ago already has an apparition picture and they already have an EVP. So what's your point to get your own EVP and your own apparition? Why it's been done. (laughs) Hold on a second though, Eric. I think there is a place for paranormal tourism. Okay. And the more we are able to get people understanding that there is some sort of phenomena going on, the better it's going to be that people are going to take this field a little bit more seriously. But if you're going to a place with your paranormal team and you're wearing your your black T-shirts that say R.I.P. or Spirit or something with periods all in between the letters, okay, and you're going to prove that Waverly Hills or Alcatraz or someplace like that is haunted, you're wasting time. I think you're Mm -hmm. wasting time. Now, if you're a group like Forest Moon or TCPS out of Vancouver who is actually trying to help people in what they are trying to solve... I'm fully for it. Preacher, you're pretty uh, quiet over there. Well. Me? Oh, yeah. Well, we got the, you know, in the behind the scenes talk, we know what I'm trying to get accomplished. And I think the purpose for this whole, if you're going to call yourself a paranormal society or a institute or something along the lines that has a professional sound, the the goal should be getting some actual scientific data, not these vague, paradolic 
EVPs that if you listen to them long enough, you can just about be convinced you've heard something. Uh, I want to start approaching this from the point of view that, okay, if it casts a shadow, there's got to be some kind of physical attribute that's blocking light. Let's find out what that physical attribute is. Let's find some answers, not just take a picture of supposed ghost or shadow person, but let's find out what are they made of? How do they manifest? That's the difference, though, Markham, because you can actually take this to that level because you are a scientist, Um, whereas these groups that, that claim they're doing it in the name of science, like we talk about all the time, they have no background. They have no leg to stand on because they're not scientific. Running around with an EMF meter and a and a digital recorder, or uh, what they call the, I can't remember the name of it, but they have that box that, that spits out words and whatnot. That's not science, um, which is what's cool about what you're doing because you're actually taking it from a scientific level. And I'm excited about that because on top of helping the clients, yeah, that's what we're about. But being affiliated with your team, we can actually get answers to the scientific side of it. Whereas I don't have the background. I don't have, you know, that, that degree and that experience on the scientific point. So working together to show there is an afterlife, which that's the other goal of it, showing what these things really are and where they come from versus just removing them. That's where you get the balance and that's what needs to happen. I cannot wait till we can start collaborating on that. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that also bring us right back to the question? Because, Every every group kind of has their own purpose for an investigation. And in Eric Cooper, your case, it could be to help a client. And in Eric Markham, your case, it could be strictly scientific. So we're kind of right back to the, to the question in terms of what should the purpose or what is the purpose of an investigation. Well, okay, it's, it's about truth. You know... <laughs> It comes down to the humanistic desire to find out what truth is or to find out about the unknown or to find out what the mystery is. And, and science is wonderful for that. Um, and, and, you know, it's, there are very deep human drives that lead people into the paranormal. You want to find out everything that's going on here and the things especially that are mysterious and find out the truth of them. That's why scientists go looking for gravity waves, because that's mysterious and dark matter. Um, you know, there's something much deeper going on than I want to have my little team with a T-shirt. I get that. James, I'll give you the final word. It's one of those things that, you know, we can take little we can take these things apart it's a pretty basic question but when you really drill down to it what exactly do you as an investigator want to do why are you doing this if you're doing it because you have questions and somebody's going to open the door for you to help you kind of find the answers to the questions you have as well as help somebody then do it uh you know, as as Eric Markham was saying, if you want to really find out what these things are made out of, why not go to a public venue that you know is haunted? Because you're not going to be tying up, um, you know, Jane and Joe Sixpack, who've called you in. 
you actually have an, you have access to spirit activity with no timeline. You can go back, you know, every week and try to determine what it is. So it is a a number of possibilities and a number of scenarios that you have to throw out. Mm-hmm. You know, and for these public places, you also have an opportunity of taking a control group in. And I think we brought this up, you know, would it be worthwhile to turn the science into this, you know, the science of belief? I think Everett came up with that. And in some ways I say no, because that's what everybody tries to do with abduction experiencers is make it their fault, like blame the victim. But when you have a paranormal site that's open and available to the public, you can pick random people and make them take them out to the site as a control group and see if they experience anything. <laughs> you know, you have this greater ability to do science at a public place than you do at, at you know Jim and Jane's house where they're freaked out. So anyway, well, that, that's also where the difference is because uh, we are going to use a hot spot for training, but that's not an investigation per se. In April, we're taking our new team for training to test equipment to test their protection that they're going to be learning next month. And that's how we're using it because Northern State is where we're going. In Northern State, you can get an apparition any time of the day. You can get an EVP any time of the day. It happens every day. And it's the perfect spot to take our team, our new team. These are people that some of them have never uh, done anything, so it's the ideal spot. But agreed, the, the groups that just go to the same hot spots all the time is, is the issue. Now, the, uh, I see it as two different goals. One is the let's prove there's an afterlife or let's prove what spirits are, and the other is to help the people. Um, and, the, yeah, the, I have my pretty little T-shirt, and I, I watched Ghost Hunters, and now I want to do this and that, and that's where the problem was. I've had too many clients that have called in tears and too too many clients that are exasperated because they have this local group that comes in, they get terrified, or they get their picture. And they say, have a nice life. Well, now they've stirred up what's going on in their house, and then real teams get called in. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next question. And, Coop, since you were speaking last, why don't you fire off one of yours? All right. So why is there so much animosity between those in the paranormal fields of what qualifies as paranormal between UFOs, hauntings, cryptids, and other issues? Hmm. Is there? There is. You, I mean, there is. you hear... You hear UFOlogists going, UFOs aren't paranormal. Alien abduction, that's not paranormal. Anytime you see a paranormal group, do you guys deal with UFOs? No. And that's nine out of ten of them. Out of 2,000 groups I've talked to, maybe, and I'm not even exaggerating, maybe ten of them knew anything about UFOs. Oh, we're interested, but how come you're not investigating them then? Or, you know, and, and Bigfoot. We don't believe in Bigfoot. Really? It's paranormal? Uh, so, yeah, that's what leads to that question. Is because I, I, I've seen it over and over and over again. Yeah, there You know, I think... 
They're closed-minded. That's what they are, and they're not paying attention to the realities. If you write a book and you have to post it on Amazon, you sure as crap if it's about UFOs going to be putting it in paranormal. I mean, hello, duh. He's <laughs> like, you're, mm-hmm. not, you're not paying attention to reality. Anyway. Well, I, I just find that in paranormal groups, it's like everybody's, it, it's almost like religious sects. You've got the ghost people, the cryptid people, the UFO people, and every group tends to think the other ones are crazy. I don't know how you could believe in one and not leave the door open for the rest. Well, I mean, it's all things that happen outside the realm of the everyday, whether it's a cryptid sighting, whether it's a UFO sighting, whether somebody... Here's a knock on the the wall when they're home alone. I mean, it, it's all under one umbrella. It's all crap yeah, that doesn't you know, happen to, to, as a rule. But, but you know, paranormal. I, think I think some of it is caused by, you know, you have the cryptid and the UFO fields where there are probably more people with scientific backgrounds looking at it and investigating and dealing with it. I'm I'm not saying everybody, but there are those factions of those groups that are doing what would sort of be considered scientific or academic research. And they look at the ghost hunting field and just kind of say, you know what? I don't want to be associated with that because that's pseudoscience or some sort of, you know, thing that's not really happening and they're just all out there playing or seeing things. Yeah, if they're playing, you can kind of tell if they're playing. You know, I want to say this about John Mack, and it was a thing that annoyed me about him when I first met him, is that he didn't know if there was a spiritual life. He didn't, he didn't know that we actually had spirits that survived past physical life. And part of him looking into alien abduction was that he thought that the aliens might be some sort of spiritual force that was coming down to make some sort of correction. Now, those of us in the group who knew they were physical or really felt, experienced physical things with aliens and had conscious experiences, we were all like, could you please stop? <laughs> you know, because you're, you were making a crossover between something that is, you know, another being that's in a physical body, and yes, it behaves a little differently than us, and so, and and the spiritual life, which you don't have, and hopefully you'll get one someday. And he did. He ended up, you know, understanding spirituality. But, you know, there's that kind of researcher, too, who can kind of go at the question sideways in a, in a weird, bizarre way that is annoying, but it can add value to the discussion in the long run. Um, I forget where I was going with this, but it, it's important to know that somebody who does come into the field and interested in one thing might actually be, if they're open-minded, they might actually be looking for something else. Like you could be looking at aliens as if they're spirits. Uh, okay. Or you could be looking at spirits as if they're aliens. And without talking to a lot of people, you can go really off track, which is something that we see. But when you do talk to a lot of people, it starts to things start to shake out. It's like the, the sifter sifts out the wheat from the chaff and the aliens from the spirits. Um, and that's 
you know, you guys know from working in the paranormal that these things present themselves as what they are. Mm-hmm. And then there's the ones that think they're all just demons. They're all demons. Demons. Of course they are. Of course they are. Aliens and The Bible tells us so. Hey, Dave, real quick, can I address Gail's question? Absolutely. Ask the question first. She is asking, I have an issue with ghosts not being given due respect. What gives the hunter more rights than the ghost? I want to address that because we have a code of conduct in Forest Moon, and uh, we actually did that class this month. And it's very extensive, and it covers every aspect of what we do. Um, And the respect of the ghost is in our code of conduct. Now, for one, I I want to bring up two points. I want to bring up the point that you see on TV all the time where they go in there and they harass the spirit. They harass, they they cuss them out, and they throw rocks at them and and get weak. No, I don't don't agree with that because that person at one point was living is very disrespectful. Uh, I I see that as, uh, I don't know, appalling. Um, The second point, um, you don't have to pass the spirit over. Um, I, I firmly believe that if a spirit, and we have a spirit here in concrete, and Dave, you know that, that Christina George knows that. Um, there's a spirit, he's 22 years old. He's having a blast. He's, he, he lives in the pub. He stays there. He does not want to pass over. We do not pass them over. Um, now, when it comes to a client that's having issues with a spirit, we try to mediate. Um, I, I hate to say it, uh, but with preferential treatment to the client, um, and, and it comes out that way. But we do try to mediate. Um, look, you're, you're, you're scaring the dog. You're scaring the kids. And uh, a lot of times, oh, wow, I didn't know I was doing that. And they come to an agreement or a, a living arrangement, essentially. Um, now, the other ones that are just flat out, because when you die, you don't change. So when you're, when you're a spirit, you're, you have the same personality as when you were alive. You're not always uh, the, the greatest personality. Uh, in those cases, we do force them over. Um, so hopefully that, that answers that question. James, I got a question yeah. for you coming from yes, sir. Michael. And I think you'd uh, like to answer this one. Maybe I, maybe you don't. I don't know. All right. We'll, we'll let the beard decide. He says, one time when I had an antique store, a lady came in, looked around the store, and left. We were the only ones in the store at that time. There were bells on the door, so I knew when anyone came in and out. After she left, I saw and heard the same woman go up the stairs again. I paused, went upstairs. There was nobody there. What could that incident have been? Uh, It could be two things. You could have a issue with a, not an issue at all. You could have have, um, spirit activity. You also could have residual energy. Residual energy of somebody that went up and down those stairs and in and out the front door for many, many, many years. We had an investigation at a a place where those who were sensitive would see the owner of a restaurant who well, owned the restaurant back in the 1920s come out of the kitchen, go up, and appear to either lock or unlock the front door, turn around and walk back to the kitchen. It wasn't a ghost. It wasn't a spirit. It was just the energy of this guy doing this for so many years and different moods. And he could have had an, a bit of an adrenaline rush or been depressed or been ecstatic. Who knows? But over so many years, he just left that energy there. And I probably I want to defer to Eric. Um, 
Cooper about this too. Have you heard of uh, residual energy ever causing something um, to, like a bell to go on a door or a, a heard a sound in re- relation to a, the movement of a residual residual energy person? I know there's residual sound like cannon fire and gunfire and marching, but um, not sure about the bell on the door ringing. Uh, I've never heard of the noise. Um, I think what I do in that case is look at the history. See if anyone's died in the area. Uh, see if, uh, if they keep good records. It depends on their record keeping. Um, but I look for the history, uh, cause for residual, uh, where they, they're, they're doing the same thing. A lot of times it happens on the anniversary. So if it happened one time, I look at that particular anniversary and see if anything happened on that date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so you know, gentlemen, Bill Cardwell has given all of you a full bearded big mention in the SOR Space Travelers. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> See that? That's uh, outstanding. Yeah, I'm about to post tell. my newest beard picture, as a matter of fact. Good, good. Dang, and I shaved mine off today. You better not. What? Did you keep what? it in the box? Won't <laughs> <laughs> happen, don't worry. We I got I got to hide as much of this ugly as I can behind as much facial fur as I can grow. <laughs> All right. Wait, so is there SOR beard oil yet? I heard that was coming. Well, it's not SOR beard oil. I actually have to go down to Washington State tomorrow and pick up the one-ounce containers for it. What I've done is I've started a little company making beard oil. But if anybody's familiar with beard oil, it's usually scented like musk, armpits, or pine. Uh, (laughs) So what I've done is I've actually use essential oils. So if you've had a long day, you had a shower, oil it up with a little bit of mix of lavender and some other things and just relax. Heck, if you're going to have something stinky under your nose anyway, why not essential oils? So I'll be putting those out in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And on Jeff's beard scale, he's giving you guys four out of four beards. Just so you know. <laughs> Ouch. Standard. Outstanding. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Uh, Elizabeth, let's get to one of your questions here. Okay. Do you have a question? Not oh, am I supposed to read my own question? Oh, I didn't I didn't bring that that piece of my computer. I'm on my little tablet. Oh um, my goodness. Okay. Make one one up. For shits and giggles, make one up. (laughs) Jeopardy music is playing in the background. Um, No, this is actually a personal question for the paranormal guys, because it's become more of an issue. I'm I'm in a small town, and there's some paranormal peeps here that I would actually like to get to know. Their political stance is, like, antithetical to my own. And I am... Wondering if 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 I were you or you were me, would you go ahead and and make overtures like, hey, let's get together and talk, and just say, let's not talk about politics, though. Let's just talk about Bigfoot, <laughs> or would you just run away screaming? What the hell? What, what, what the hell do politics it, it, have to do with the paranormal? Well, it depends it, on how it, it depends it, on how it, radical it, they are. 
Yeah, they can. They they've gone out. One of them has written a whole book based on his own anarchist um, viewpoint, and the other one is in love with a certain orange-colored president, um, and he will make long rants on his website. And <laughs> so well, it's Elizabeth, if like, if I may, I we have a uh, UFO meetup group here in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I started communicating with the fellow who ran the group. Uh, quite knowledgeable, has a lot of people following him, uh, claimed to be a Buddhist uh, meditation teacher. But his YouTube channel was basically telling people how, yeah, the, the Nazis did kill six to seven million lice. And that he would he he looked like Hitler. He wore this little Hitler mustache, and he was a Nazi. Yeah, so I, did he make it on? Kind of, no. Yeah, but, I mean that it's almost that sort of thing. Like you know, somebody telling me they've had their crying enlightenment, but then you know, denying that anything bad ever happens to animals or the ecology of the world because of global warming. It's like okay, you haven't had your crying enlightenment because you're denying no. the fact that that our eco- ecological systems are going haywire from heating up too fast. Um, so <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's kind of a no. Is this a no? Am I getting just sort of like, you know, hang back? No, go Here. do it well, and um, are, are, see how long are it lasts. These people in, are these people incapable of having a conversation about anything other than politics? Are they so entrenched in that right now that that basically rules their life? See, that's what I don't know, because every so often, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be said, you need to go talk to them, and then I'll, and I'm friends with them on Facebook, but then I'll see this rant that, that would just, if they were in front of me, I would have to walk out of the room. I, would, I, would I don't think I would initially avoid it, avoid it. I think I would engage with them. And see if it became mm-hmm. a problem. If it became a problem, then you can always walk away. But if it's yeah. not, if it's something you guys can get out of the way in the first five minutes of conversation, and you can learn something through or from them, I would, I would go investigate with them. Yeah, there's an old expression: "Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater." It's like one of my best friends, and he's a member of my team. We are almost twin brothers up to politics, and we couldn't be any further apart. Mm-hmm. And but we can still have a reasonable discourse and find a common ground if it's got to you know if you know we just can't resist getting into that topic for the most part. Uh, I don't see that they have to be mutually exclusive. I mean, it's okay. just there's times that Mike and I just come to this point. It's like, well, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree, and you know, I'm not. We're not. I think the thing I run into with politics is people who are trying to convert. I don't try to convert. I'll offer, you know, if it's a discussion, I'll, the points I think are salient, and I'll listen to theirs. And if we're just like two complete different languages, it's like, well, you know, teach his own, said the farmer as he kissed his cow, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the Jehovah Witnesses of the political world, or the vegans, where yeah. they 
when they yeah, see yeah. what you're doing, they and they kind of talk down to you and say, "Well, you know this." You eat or, bacon. Oh, you drink milk. You know we're the only animal that drinks another animal's milk. Well, yeah, we're also the only <laughs> animal that can can straighten out our checkbooks. But who cares? It's well, uh, it's like how can how can I get closer to contact with aliens? Well, become a vegan. It's like no, you don't need to become a vegan. <laughs> yeah. Stop that. (laughs) All right, thanks, I don't get it. All right, James, (laughs) James, let's get to one of your questions. Okay, so uh, you've got a a slump, or let's let's say you've got this, uh, we've we've been having a, an overzealous group of um, people out doing television shows wanting to be ghost adventuring hunters and all sorts of things and they had all the little wannabe um, people out following them has anybody um, seen a decrease in people actually wanting to call and um, getting a hold of a paranormal group to do an investigation because of the oversaturation and almost the commercialization and honestly it's turning into a comedy a lot of these things and I don't think people are taking paranormal groups seriously do you guys think that I I fully agree and you know what it's good on the public for doing that and I'll tell you why you know as well as I do there are so many bloody shysters in this field that are making a mockery of what we do, let alone what is happening on television with all the reality shows, that how does anybody take it seriously? It's the same reason why, James, you know, you and I have talked many a times, and people have heard me say, we're trying to take this show mainstream. We have an uphill battle because what we do is not considered journalism. Even though I tend to think what we do is very journalistic. We work hard at this. We work hard to get our facts straight. But there's a reason why 90% of the radio stations across North America don't have a paranormal show. It's because they don't take this seriously. We're a bunch of wackos. And the problem with this field is, between the backstabbing, the conniving, the, the... jumping on people for having different opinions that they people using their own their own personal opinion as scientific fact of course it's a joke it's an absolute joke because it's filled with a bunch of shysters out there and until we start cleaning it up and taking a a stand against this and saying you know what this is not okay people are having these experiences and if you don't want to do right by it, get the hell out. That's my opinion, because I'm sick and tired of being trolled and having opinions that really don't mean anything try to rip other people or myself a new one because it doesn't coincide with theirs. This is something I get very fired up. The paranormal field is getting exactly what it deserves, and that is a lack of respect because of the idiots out there who don't want to do this field properly. There, I'm done. (laughs) Oh, Dave. Uh, Okay. Disagree with me, though. Disagree with me on that one, though. Oh, I completely agree with you. Yeah, um, in fact, um, recently, within the last three weeks, so we've got three new groups just in my county alone. 
um, in, 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 like I said, in the last three weeks. One of them I've kind of taken under our wing. He does it the right way. And he's not like, and, and uh, uh, sure, he saw Paranormal TV. He thought it looked cool. He wants to help people. That's where he's coming from. Um, on that, and you see, you see that all the time, but the difference between his group and these other groups, they get terrified, they run out. Or they think they know it all, and they make shit worse. Now, his team, if he has, if he encounters something that he doesn't know what it is or needs help with, he has no problem stopping and calling us. In fact, he's coming to our training with his team. So I think that's where the difference is. I think it comes down to, again, ethics. Are you doing it for the right reasons? Are you doing it because you saw it on TV? You think you know it all because you saw it all on TV, and and that's where you're going to go with it. Or are you willing to get with a team that's been around for a while and learn from them and learn how to do it the right way? But that's the problem. Nobody wants to do it the right way because there's no education in this for the most part, and people don't want to listen to people like you, Eric. They don't want to listen to people like James or Eric Markham, who's trying to do it right, okay, or other groups out there who are trying to make a difference and bring this to a real front of knowledgeable understanding that there is something happening. You can call it parascience, you can call it pseudoscience, whatever you want to do or whatever you want to call it, does not matter. But until people start getting their heads out of their arses and realizing that this isn't a joke, your opinion doesn't matter, you're not proving anything because you don't have a scientific background, okay, stop. Just stop. I'm way too passionate about this. God. Oh, no, yeah, I, we, I, I hear you. I, believe me, I hear you. We, we were talking, you and I were talking today. Um, yeah. In fact, I ranted about it. In my promo that I sent out, it, 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 I, I'm sick of, uh, and with Forrest Moon, I'm sick of these other teams, these other groups posting their EVP pictures. I don't want to see it. My group, my team doesn't want to see it. We know it's there. And, and for the safety and for the, you know, for the educational aspect of my group, it's not going to be there. I've warned them over and over again. It gets deleted. And it is, it, yeah, until we get this, ironed out until we get you know our standards ironed out start pulling teams that have the same values and the same code of conducts uh, and I don't, I don't know and I know there's other questions on the panel that are going to address some of this but I'm starting a blacklist is it legal uh, am I, am I going to risk slander because I'm pulling I'm calling other groups out Possibly. We'll discuss it in this more detail later. But I am starting a blacklist. Am I going to publicly advertise it? Probably not until I figure out what the legal ramifications are. But it's, it, as long as it's true. <laughs> right. There's absence of malice. <laughs> yeah. Malice no before yeah. I think if you go at it with the. I, th I think any t any team or any investigative group that goes at it in the respect of, you know, I'm not trying to prove that ghosts are real. I already know ghosts are real. That's a mm -hmm. completely different issue. 
what I'm what my goal is is to identify the physical these things interact with us in a physical way that means they have to be at one point physical there's got to be a physical attribute and that's where I'm focusing on trying to find what are these physical attributes. Mm-hmm. But Eric, 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 you're the guy, though, who is acting like a scientist because you are a scientist. Okay? Mm-hmm. You, you personally, and people like you in this field, and there's a number of them, not many, but a good number, should be absolutely offended with what you see in this field when people start using the word science, when you know... They can't even answer a simple question. What do you do with the evidence after you collect it? I plan on vetting it thoroughly, making sure that you know I'm not putting out BS, and putting it out there for others to build on. I'm not wanting to sequester this and feed my ego by saying, ha, 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 I've proven this. No, I want that stuff out there for everybody to say, oh, so that, you know, is that what he thinks? Well, let's go see for ourselves. You know, I'm hoping to stimulate, get rid of some of this Pokemon ghost crap and stimulate some actual thinking people to go out there and find, you know, find the answers. You know, find truth, not just opinion and just and you know, so much of that stuff is you know superfluous it doesn't matter if you've got a picture i mean i was thrilled to have caught an evp in my home last week it doesn't mean anything it's not reproducible it just happened to be i was playing with a reel-to-reel deck that i had just uh restored i heard a knock in my walls which could be anything, but I thought, well, I just restored this little deck. Let's see what happens. I addressed, you know, I addressed the possibility of a spirit, put the microphone down, walked, you know, shut the door behind me, went to the next room, shut the door behind me, came back, and darned if I didn't catch something. <laughs> so, uh, but that's not... You know, I do spectral analysis on it. I tried to imitate it myself. You know, that that's what I want to see happen. Okay, what's this EVP? Let's not run it through auditions so many times that it actually sounds like something. Let's leave it in its raw form, analyze the spectra that we, we captured, and work from there. And on that note, everyone, I'm going to get you all to hold on. We are going to hop out for our first break of the night, the SOR Paranormal Roundtable with Eric, Eric, Everett, Elizabeth, and James. We'll be back right after this. From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. 
For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. Looking for news beyond the mainstream news? Head to spacedoutradio.com and check out the SOR Spacewire. This is Spaced Out Radio's Eric Markham, news director for the SOR Spacewire. Daily, I will bring you intriguing stories and outlandish reports from what's going on around the world. UFO sightings, paranormal activity, conspiracies, alternative health, and so much more. And if you have news, email me at news at spacedoutradio.com. Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sight Lines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the sight lines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit, and expect a miracle. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner, Alexandra Sullivan, track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole, and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock. Loud and proud. In high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up, enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there. 
Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Welcome back to the second hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us tomorrow night and Sunday. While I am off in the wilderness finding my Zen and my Chi, Elizabeth Anglin and Uncle Jimbo James Tyson will be in the cabin for Spaced Out Weekend starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time. And it's all heard on spacedoutradio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on the United Public Radio Network live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us tonight. We are also live in Sin City, the nighttime show of Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Hmm. Tintinabulation. Tintinabulation. Or is it or is it tinabulation? Tintinabulation. One of the two. Either way, it's your SOR Space Travelers Club password for tonight. Jeff, in the Spreaker chat room, we will need a definition. So you make sure you get that up. Once again, Bill sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Hey, if you want to head to our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. We are one hour away from our winner of the month. So make sure you tune in, just in case you are that person. You can follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We are also on TalkStream Live, radioguide.fm. And on Stitcher, in case you need to follow us elsewhere. So, yeah, we're everywhere now. It's the SOR Paranormal Roundtable. Everett Themer, Eric Cooper, Eric Markham, James Tyson, and Elizabeth Anglin are with me. And let's rock and roll. Our number two of the Spaced Out Radio SOR Paranormal Roundtable that happens the final Friday of every month. We're going to start off with a question from Gail. Gail is asking, and James will start, or let's start with Everett on this one. Because you've been pretty damn quiet. Oh, no. Yeah, you've been pretty damn quiet. <laughs> She's asking, all the TV shows have relegated ghost hunting investigation to recreation and entertainment. Don't you guys see how this prevents it from being taken seriously? Um, yeah. I, yeah. Those shows are entertainment. They are not really... I, I would love to see a ghost hunting show 
that showed an actual investigation and how boring it can be. Oh, yeah. But I, I want to say, though, that it's, uh, it's partially the network's fault for not showing it as entertainment. When people look at it, they think, oh, wow, that's how you really do an investigation. They don't portray it as entertainment. They might throw up a little blurb that says this is for entertainment. I mean, I don't know. I don't watch our shows anymore. Uh, I quit watching them a long time ago. Um, but I think that's partially up to the networks. They're not going to say it's entertainment because they want you to think it's really a ghost tossing that rock, even though the producer was doing it, you know, behind the scenes. But... Uh, but, you, but, you know, it's it's not really the network's responsibility. <laughs> Their job is to provide entertainment, which mm-hmm. basically everybody should know that. And in a way they do, because if you look at the listings, if you go and whether you have DirecTV or cable, most of those shows are labeled now as docudramas. So mm-hmm. right, right there, as soon as you see the word drama, you know it's going to be for entertainment. Oh, you it should. doesn't say documentary. I, I, well, yeah. I think the other thing with TV shows that makes us look bad is recently you had, what, one of them went to jail, or I, I think two different ones went to jail in the last year. Ryan Buell just got out on probation, or pardon me, he's out on bail right now. From mm-hmm. Paranormal State, he seems to be in a lot of trouble these days. I Didn't think the other one was... Ryan from Ghost Hunters? He's had Yeah, I got another one from Ghost Hunters uh, went in jail last month. And don't forget Rob Demarest from Ghost Hunters International. He's known in an international sting of taking advantage of women, especially uh, single mothers. So... The, the, it's, it, honestly, it's, he's got like 12 women he's been engaged to over the last two years or something like that. It's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, paranormal, paranormal TV is making the paranormal field look bad on that side, as well as the fact that, yeah, it's portrayed as docudrama, but it's really entertainment. And so people get misled looking at this, what they, I think, misconstrue as a documentary when it says docudrama, but so they think it's fact. And, well, we all know it's not. Well, it's almost like it's devolved into, uh, if you look at product placement and these things and you look at you know, the way they mention what gear they're using, it, it's become infomercials. Yeah. You know, you know it, it's, it's, a, it's a revenue engine that doesn't have anything to do with science. It doesn't really even have anything to do with the paranormal, it's about selling mel meters and, you know, ovalists and all this other kitschy crap that, you know, there's really no proof that it works. Except on TV, it works. <laughs> it's, uh, Maybe. If it's pointed in the wrong direction, though. Right. <laughs> so, I, I just feel like it's... Maybe it started out to be more informative but i think all it's become now is uh like i said it's it's in prime time infomercials cleverly disguised as docudrama Mm -hmm. i think it did its i think it fulfilled its role of bringing the possibility of something being out there of the possibility of um pseudo life after death to the forefront and it got people talking about it 
and you know, getting it a little more understanding of the things they maybe saw growing up and understanding that they're not crazy because other people are doing it too. And I think that was the good side of it. But I think that's done now. Everybody's kind well, of... Well, I think... Go ahead. I think now it's created a generation or a group of people who see it as a way to get famous, oh, a way to get a that, TV show. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Dave and I ran into that at the beginning of the show. We started looking for paranormal groups to come on. And they were... There was a number of them, Dave. Right, the the gorgeous looking supermodels that oh yes, five of them got together and they decided they want to be paranormal investigators and they got a hold of us. They wanted to hit the uh, the internet radio circuit. So you know, while they had their tapes or whatever into whatever television network because that's what they were planning on doing. It was their foot in the door for their own TV shows. Look at. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to give all the guy's name, Zach. Mm-hmm. You know, that, he went into television. He, well, he was a DJ for weddings and it, when he moved to Vegas. And then from there, he went to film school. And when out of film school, he started doing these. He started doing documentaries. And one of them was the paranormal one. It's, you know, he. That's not what he started out doing. That was what he morphed into for a job. He threw a bushel basket of BS against a wall and ran with what stuck to the wall. Yep. Exactly. I mean, there was, he had no interest other than, uh, this is my way out of whatever, whatever hole he crawled out of. The and wedding know, DJ. We've, we've got guys in our own paranormal group who say, you know, if we can... We can uh, we want to sign on to the Ghost Adventures, the GAC organization, and then we're going to get our name out there. And I'm just looking at them going, you have no idea. You, you know, we, we get more mileage hooking up to Scooby-Doo. Right. Those darn kids. <laughs> I just, you know, our goal with my group is if we have any publicity or get out there in a mainstream way other than written reports, it'll be through, you know, because we have something Dave wants us to discuss on the air. It, we're, none of us are in this group are, you know, th- th- becoming movie stars is not the goal. We we're, have way, we're way too unattractive but, for that. Way too unattractive yeah, for that. I got a, a, a face for radio and a voice for TV. Yeah, anyhow, it's, you know, th- that's not even... That's part of the reason we're having our meeting this coming Friday, you know, next Friday, is to, uh, you know, weed out the chat. You know, the people think this is going to be another Ghost Adventures or another, uh, the one, paranormal TV show. Uh uh-uh. uh we're not going to have any TV. You know, we're not going to have the fancy T-shirts. We're, you know, we've got a code of conduct. We've got a dress code. We've got a, you know, a behavior that I expect to, you know, all the members to adhere to, and if they can't do that, we'll find out at this meeting, and they can go on their merry. Because mm-hmm. we're not going to, you know, if anybody shows up thinking we're going to play what they've seen on TV, they're going to be sadly, dis- you know, sadly mistaken. It's going to be tedious, somewhat boring. You know, <laughs> we're, 
we're gathering data. You know, enjoy the act of gathering the data because that's probably going to be all we get. <laughs> Anybody else? Yes? No? No, I I don't, you know, I, I want to get into, somebody asked the question about what's the difference between the psychics and paranormal teams that charge and psychics that charge. Because I'm not on a paranormal team, but I have people who will come into my shop who have hauntings and and various things going on. And I have to say that part of the reasons why so many psychics see people coming to them is that they have a track record. Psychics have a track record of, in our, we're about healing. We're about healing the situation. Um, we're about the psycho-spiritual aspects of the situation. And we don't disappear into the night. You know, most psychics who are out there will have a good 30 testimonials on their website because they've been around for a while and they have happy clients. And so, you know, if they're calling 10 other paranormal groups and nobody's there and the psychic has been there forever, those people are coming to us and we deal with it very differently than a team does. Mm -hmm. Um, Not very differently than, say, Eric Cooper's team would, but differently in that we're not necessarily able to go out and research a site we don't have people with us but we are looking at you know why is this why is this spirit or why is this being active what else is happening on this property we're remote viewing things we're looking at the energetics of it and we end up catching a lot of that stuff that these fly-by-nighters you know have given the impression that there's all sorts of paranormal teams and there aren't and then people in a very hurt state come to us and we end up with it well so I, I want to add to the, I want to add to that wait since that was my question maybe I should maybe I should ask it because yeah. I have a feeling that uh, I, I have a feeling that Elizabeth is going to drive over here and kill me by the time the, this debate is over because oh. I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen <laughs> um, but the, my uh, my question was just: we all agree that paranormal groups shouldn't charge to go in and investigate. But yeah. there are psychics out there that charge. It's not it's not for me to determine whether it's right or not for them to charge. <laughs> um, but is there a difference, and where's the line? Well, here, here's where I, I, I wanted to interject. Here's where I see the difference. Um, so you have a team that's going to come in and we don't charge, not at all, but we do take donations. If they offer donations more done, I'll take them because it does cost money for gas. Uh, you know, that, that that kind of stuff. Um, but we will never charge and we will never ask for donations. And most people, they'll be like, Oh, well, thanks guys. You were great. Here's 20 bucks. I'll take it to put in my tank. But, the teams that come in for $500 and we'll come in and clear your house. Um, I'm sorry. The difference between a psychic charging and a team charging, a psychic is using themselves as a tool. A team going in, they're going in with a bunch of tools, with a bunch of toys. Um, and, and like we've discussed earlier, they don't know what they're doing. Um, and I see a paranormal group coming into your home as a service. You're not going to, you can't, if you're paying for a service, you expect a complete service. As a paranormal group, you can't guarantee a complete service because you might remove one spirit. That doesn't mean more won't come in later. 
that's not a complete service to me. That's one reason, along with the ethics of it, you don't charge someone that's in crisis. Um, but as far as the psychic charging, they are using themselves as a tool. Um, and you and I same, know you could use your same argument for a psychic. Huh? That's what I just said. No, uh, no, 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 no. Okay, yeah, it depends on what. It's it, a it, on the body when you do what right. we do. Okay, and, and you, you yeah. Age, you age a little bit faster than your normal person, and you don't have the energy to do other things to make a living when you really do this job the way it needs to be done. So when people are saying, oh, you know, it's a gift from God, I trained for over 12 years. So, A, it's not a gift from God. I could be a really bad psychic if it was a gift from God. But <laughs> that's not true, you know. And number two, I'm very well aware of the physical toll on my body from doing physical mediumship and, and dealing with different energies. So, you know, it, it's much more than, you know, oh, yeah, you should just do this because you love people. It's like, yeah, I do love people, but I also love myself. So... But I yeah, that, that would use the argument there. I've been an audio engineer for 25 years. I know what sounds are sounds. If you're using your body and I'm familiar with my equipment and using my ears to analyze EVPs, shouldn't I be able to charge? Look, let me look at Have you ever done a tarot reading? No. Okay, what what Elizabeth is saying, uh, and, and and I've done tarot readings. Uh, I, I've uh, I'm not a psychic by any means, but I can do tarot readings and and be eh, about sixty percent accurate. Um, probably a little higher than that. I, I did it for a while for free. I did free readings. Um, now what she's talking about though, with a toll in the body, a real psychic um, that actually does tarot readings, for example, so it depends on which aspect of, of uh, as a medium or what, what aspect of the psychic you're talking about. But a real psychic can generally only do about three to four readings a day if they're valid and if they're actually using their energy. And you, I mean, we're talking by drained, you're talking physically drained. You're tired. You, you yeah. feel drained. Yeah. And, and so that's where the difference is and them using themselves as a tool versus a group going in with an EMF meter and, uh, you know, a digital recorder. They're playing with electronic toys. They're not, they're not taking anything out of themselves to do that. They're holding an instrument. A psychic that's actually really doing work is physically draining themselves. Okay, th this is where I climb under the pool table and wait for the bomb to drop. Um, but couldn't you <laughs> argue that both of them are essentially unprovable, no. unscientific, that to char for one to charge, it kind of opens the door for others no. to charge? Or for no, and here's, here's the thing also, Everett, is that, you know, we provide a service, we also run a business, and if we don't, if we can't keep our doors open, we can't offer the service. And if we have to work a full-time job, we're not going to have an energy to do. We might be able to do one reading three times a week. So we're also not mm -hmm. able to offer the service to as many people on earth and as many people on spirit if we don't charge. The other thing is if we don't charge, we get a lot of vampires, people who yep. just 
basically come at us and come at us and come at us and keep wanting to hear the same things over and over. They'll come three or four times a week. They'll call you in the middle of the night. You have to charge enough to keep the vampires off your doorstep. Um, You're lucky. I had one. You, you, yeah, I had one that came every day. Yeah, I mean, you'll get them. You'll get people, and and then they think that you should. And you know, once you say no, you're not going to do that anymore. They'll call you up at three in the morning and give you an earful because you've decided not to be a doormat for the vampires. So it's a different <laughs> dynamic. It sounds the, like a dual standard, though. Hunters? What no, about the ghost not. hunters that have $25,000 worth of equipment that they need to pay off and the, and the ghost hunting business they're trying to start? Oh, it, what are they doing for people? Are they healing them? Are they, <laughs> do they have shamanism? Are they doing great Well, I mean, what's a psychic? I, what's a psychic doing for people? You say what? you're doing that. I don't take this as a personal attack, but from there's no way to validate either activity if you're good enough at cold reading or you know i'm not saying you do i'm just saying if a psychic out there can cold read and send somebody out the door thinking they have an answer that person that just paid whatever they paid their psychic has you know the feeling that they were given a service where the same person group can go in with the ghost hunting gear and and say, well, we cleared this out. Okay, who's arming the missiles pointed at my house? That's, that's me. I'm getting the boxing. I'm getting the boxing bells ready for you guys. Yeah, oh. we can hear them now. Uh-huh. So it literally uh-huh. comes down to if people feel less diseased in their situation. And what we do as psychics, we leave ourselves open. We have have auto-testimonial things. People can get on. They can write terrible things about us. They can write nice things about us. And when people leave and they feel, because we don't just cold read. I don't cold read at all. I start reading. I start telling people what I see. I don't ask them any questions except if I feel like I, I will ask for a yes or no answer. Am I, am I on? Am I off? You know, if I feel like I'm getting stuck, they'll say yes, they'll say no, and I'll keep going. But that still doesn't address the question. The question is, why is it okay for a psychic to... Because it is our... Okay, I'll shut up then. Okay, I'll answer. I'll ask the question. Why, why, and I'm not against psychics. I know some very good ones. Why is it okay, or, or let's rephrase it, what prevents me from saying I'm a psychic and going in and charging for psychic services while I'm doing a ghost hunt See, that's or a not, ghost I investigation. Do I don't do a ghost right. hunt. People come to me because <laughs> there are no good paranormal groups. I actually will okay, say I they came to me because they have. <laughs> hold on, hey, hold on a second. You have to at least give her an opportunity to finish if she's letting you finish. I'm letting you finish, and here's what I have to say. I don't do a lot of paranormal things, but people come to me because they can't find anything else. It's 5% or less of my business. I do animal communication. I do medical intuition. I do spirit mediumship. I do energetic healing and energetic clearing. I do all sorts of modern shamanism. You know, I, I can charge for that because, A, I'm trained in it. B, I'm good at it. 
Three, if I didn't charge for it, I wouldn't be able to offer it to people at all. So when you're going to get upset that a psychic sees the catch-all because there are no paranormal groups really helping people or the paranormal groups have gone out of business, if they come in and they want to sit in front of me and have me remote view their house and look at the spirits in their house and talk to the spirits in their house, it's the same as if they asked me to talk to their mother who had just passed over. The fact of the matter is I have a specialized training and a specialized lifelong learning in this area, and it is my business, and I keep doing it, and I have good testimonials. If you want to do it for 23, 24, 25 years, then, you know, that's great, but you could probably ask for a suggested donation if you think it's wrong to charge. But the fact is, okay, first, I'm not doing, I'm not looking for the paranormal, to, I'm not looking for a ghost hunt house. Those things come to me because there's nobody out there. <laughs> but everything you just said, you could apply to a ghost hunting group. They They're don't, not they doing it five days a week. Could, They're not seeing three people five days a week. What, could I answer Maybe this they are. and be given? No, Dave, can I get some time on this? Okay, James, you got the conch. <laughs> okay, we have a psychic on our paranormal team when we go to somebody's house. The reason we don't let that psychic get paid is basic fraud. I can go as a bogus team to somebody's house and say, yes, that noise in the attic is a very, very, very bad ghost. And I know somebody who can get it out. In fact, for $500 a month, she will make sure this never comes back. And there have been people doing that. And it is the thin edge of the wedge. So when we come in with a psychic who actually clears houses for money on her own, but we... If they say, oh, do you know anybody who can clear this? I won't even give them the name of the person who's with me. I'll just say, go to one of the shops around town, ask around, and you'll find somebody. Because it severs us from the possibility of corruption. It, the look, it, it clears us from that raised eyebrow. We're completely transparent. We do our thing and we go. If you start, you know, I ask for donations, hmm, might as well ask you to get paid. Because you, when you ask for donations, when you ask, you're soliciting funds. It's voluntary, but I, it's, this is, this is a, a, a term that we use when we're, we, as a policeman when we were recruiting informants and the Fuller Brush Company used to do it they'd give you, it's called ingratiation they'd give you a free brush and as a human being you felt obligated well if I give you a paranormal investigation and then I ask for a donation you now feel obligated to pay me so I will not ask for a donation I will not turn no. one down but I will not ask. 
That's it. I'm good. You guys can carry on. Moving on here to the next question here. James, I don't think you've asked a question yet. Why don't you fire it up? Well, no, 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 no. Of course I asked a question. We went completely sideways on my question. We, I think we had 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour on my question. All right. Who hasn't asked a question yet? Let's fire it up. Oh. Is everybody a preacher? Have you asked Elizabeth? a question yet? No. <laughs> Are we getting close to the top of the hour? No, no. we got half an hour. Okay. <laughs> oh. I guess one of the things that I've, having watched other other groups, been in other groups, the way they handle evidence, if, you know, there's ways of collecting things that you don't add to the contamination that's already inherent in an environmental sample. You're not getting your own DNA mixed in with that splooge you found on the wall or, you know, the scat you found in the woods, something like that. And I think these groups need to find a source or a lesson in basic aseptic technique for collecting physical evidence. You know, you don't see something and reach out with your hand and grab it. And, I mean, you see that in a lot of these things, or that they'll dig into a, a, a pocket and go through their pocket litter to find something. That's good. There's a correct way of doing physical evidence collection and I think a serious group needs to have the basics down you know a basic idea how that should be done and they ought to have a kit that that's what you use you know you use that kit for collecting evidence well I'm glad you asked Markham (laughs) (laughs) it's actually in our code of conduct as a matter of fact we have Ziploc bags we have powder-free latex gloves. Um, and like, like you and I were talking earlier, this is something that does need to be addressed. I don't know it all. Um, I'm not a scientist, but I know the basics in that even in search and rescue, if you come to a crime scene, you'd be treated the same way. You don't, you, you pour down off the area. You don't walk in the area because if it's a big footprint, you don't want to step in the big footprint. Um, if it's evidence, you don't want to touch it with your bare hand. You, you don't want to get your, your, your sweat or your DNA on, on, on the object. When it comes to, uh, EVPs, uh, you don't want any outside noise. You don't want outside interference. So you would put your digital recorder in the middle of a room, close it off, make sure your clients aren't in the area. If you're doing an actual 24 hour, say, investigation um if you're taking pictures there's no smoking in the area you're going to watch for dust particles uh you know that that kind of thing um but as far as a kit yes i have a trauma kit that stays in my truck anyway and that's pretty much the basic stuff you need is the gloves the ziploc bags and of course that gets mailed straight to you Mm -hmm. as our scientists um but is there anything else to add? That's what I want to know, too. Well, get, there's a... Uh, I'm not sure. God, I know, how, I know how we get them because they come with one of our kits. But uh, applicator sticks. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it's a fancy word for a, a skinny popsicle stick. Like, if you came across a suspicious scat... 
a tongue depressor. And it would. Yeah, but I they're, they're all, well. Yeah, day. you could do those. <laughs> you can. There's a to minimize to minimize if you see a fecal specimen and you don't want to carry the whole stool wow. back. There's a way to use the you know use a tongue depressor or some, some kind of uh, clean device, clean wood spatula to scrape by, dig into the middle. of This is how we do a parasitology specimen. You dig in and you put it in uh, polyvinyl alcohol and formalin, two different vials that preserves anything that's in there. But you don't take it off the outside of the, the part that's been, you know, flies have gotten on it, whatever, you know, whatever possum has come by and sniffed on it. You get to the core, the inner part of the fecal matter, to collect your specimen. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, not anything on the outside. You know, if you have to, there's a, you know, there's a way of doing it. I mean, <laughs> I would have never, before I took parasitology in college, I would have never believed that there's a right and a wrong way to sample a turd. But yes, there really is. So Eric, I want to I want to address this question from a Bigfoot because you're going there with it. Um, when I was up on the Mesa and and we had Bigfoot um, vocalizations and different things happening, um, telepathically I was invited to follow them across the Uncompahgre. And one of the things I tried to do was to be as responsible scientifically about that opportunity as possible. And I wrote to two different scientists who I thought would be friendly. One was Meldrum. Um, one was a guy he, who, he wasn't a scientist, but he was up in Montana and he'd done a lot of documentation. And I said, okay, from a wildlife biology standpoint, here, you know, here's my opportunity. I'm going to be spending the next two weeks walking across the Uncompahgre following what I believe to be a family of Bigfoot what do you what do you want to see from me as physical proof? Do you know who wrote me back? And I gave him time to do it. I gave him three or four months to do it. Neither person wrote me back. So when you want to complain about people not doing scientifically, there's nobody out there who's willing to usually or very few people out there who are willing to help and say, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to collect. This is how you need to collect it. This is what I would like to see. This would be significant in in terms of this research. So that might yeah. be why I am getting into this field because I've seen too much of this. No response. No, uh, nobody taking it seriously. Yeah, you know, part of that too, Eric, could be. I'm surprised that Jeff Meldrum didn't respond, but part of that could be maybe you didn't get past his gatekeepers. He's possibly. I'm sure he's up there enough. At uh, is he? He's in University of Wyoming. Is it? Well, could it? it, You know, usually they answer their own. I used to work for professors. They answer their own. It it might have gone. It might have been into a spam box, but but he didn't write back. And and I was I was confused because I know from working at MIT. If you have a professor's email, they will write you back. They will get that email. And he didn't write me back. And I'm like, okay then. 
You know, oh, I've been trying to get a professor that wrote a, te- a very good Tesla biography to come on the show, and I can't get an email back from him no matter how I write it. So I don't know if he's got a grad student that goes through and pre-scans his stuff or what, but I've had the same issue trying to get answers back. This guy is actually only about a four-hour drive away. I'm tempted the next time I'm off for a week to uh, just drive up and knock on the door and introduce myself. Go old school on him and phone him. Uh, go show up in person. I mean, I I got. That's what I'm thinking kids. of doing. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got a kid into MIT who showed up in person. <laughs> you know, because he had the right qualifications and he had to show up in person to make his case. So it may be that that's what we need to do because we are in the paranormal. Is actually show up in person. Hi. What do you, you know? What do you need to see? And just get it done. Well, anybody's got questions. I mean, news at spaceoutradio.com. If you got an, if you want to collect data, or if you you think you've got a specimen of some kind, I can tell you how to. I can tell you how to preserve it and get it to me. I can send stuff for the collection and the the transport. I mean, it's the. You know, I'm more than willing. I probably just screwed. I probably better get a be, uh, bigger specimen refrigerator. I have a feeling I just screwed myself. <laughs> what do you do with them when you get them? <clears throat> I haven't got it yet, but uh, first so off, so you're just talking crap. No, crap. <laughs> yeah, no. I use a I use a standard uh, carbonless form of chain of custody style. So the the person sending it seals it with a tamper-proof label, and then when it gets to me, if the label's not intact, say something got and I you know not to wear a tinfoil hat, but if I don't know if it was a can of alien spam or something, whatever, I want that evidence seal. I want that evidence seal to be intact. If it gets to me and it's not intact, it's no longer a viable specimen. I mean, at the point where I see the tamper, the tamper evidence seal has been disturbed. It's, you know, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Can, can I ask where you keep your specimen refrigerator? Locked up in the house. In the kitchen. No, God no! I have a laboratory <laughs> in my basement. It's not really a basement. It's the lower level of my house. I have a corner that I've turned into a research laboratory, microscopes okay. and all that kind of stuff. For specimen refrigerator. They can be locked. That's very important for, yeah. as James knows, anything that's a, evidence needs to be in a secure. You're not sitting on it 24 hours a day. You need to ha- be able to lock it up. Yeah, you should, be, uh, also a, you should have a chain of custody log to refer to, too. Yes, I do. I Good. pretty much modeled mine after the uh, Department of Trans- the U.S. Department of Transportation urine drug screen chain of custody. Yeah. it's. Um, what do you look for in SCAT? I know from my training uh, in uh, DNA collection, we don't... <sighs> Any carv- carnivore, you don't 
you can't trust the DNA you get out of a scat. Right. All so you could do in a case like for? that. Well, in the case of scat, I would. We know what known certain known omnivores eat, and we know what the the we know what their digestive system does to the food they eat. By and large, really, I'm not sure even if scat would be that good a specimen. I'm just thinking of something you would find that you might be interested in. You know, it it would be better, the scat would be more in keeping with once we've identified the species, and we know, it's like anybody that goes outside knows what rabbit dung looks like, or, you know, deer pellets. Once we say, okay, if it looks like this, it belongs to Sasquatch, that is when there would be some value in studying that because then we have a known creature and we can use their scat to track, you know, are, do they have parasitic load? Are they, is there an infection that's causing white cells to show up? And then if we have white cells in, if there, a person is infected and there's white cells in their stool, maybe then that we can do an extraction there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, until we've identified the creature as real and then also, you know, identified what their dropping, their characteristic droppings are, scat's really not going to do much good. Like I said, anything, once DNA is dissolved or once, you know, digested, you know, from the minute the salivary amylase starts breaking down bonds in in the mouth and it goes to the digestive system, yeah, what are you going to have? Yeah. And 90, I think it's 98% of the dry weight of fecal matter is bacteria. So any DNA you're getting is probably the E. coli or whatever this creature has as its normal flora in its gut. Yeah. So it's what would be a better specimen is if you see this big chunk of hair in the brambles. And it's got the, the root ball on it. A root ball. Well, there's a guy in England that has figured out a way to use the, the actual inner, the cortex of the hair for genetic testing. There's been a breakthrough in the last few years, and it was always said you've got to get that, you know, that intact follicle, and that's not necessarily true. I'm not saying I can do it in my lab but it can be done. So I wouldn't just turn, I wouldn't discard that specimen just because there's no roots on it. Yep. Because there is a way to de- to extract DNA. The, you know, let's, let's look at the whole DNA thing. I know Dave, we've got about 10 minutes here, but um, just for the listener and for me, I get, let's say I get something that's a uh, Bigfoot hair that I believe it is. And I want to send that, to for to get the DNA um, screen on it, who the heck do I send it to, and who pays for that? <laughs> That's one of the big problems in research. Nobody's going to do it for free. Yeah, and then if you send it, depending on where you send it, it gets turned over to some ham-fisted research assistant or undergrad that's work doing campus work study for a professor. You know, I was a ham-fisted research assistant. 
you know, and it's a learning curve. Nobody's good at it right away. So that's something I am hoping to be able to accomplish is to be able to do free. There's a cost-effective way of doing DNA analysis that I'm looking into. And then maybe I can do it for free, you know? For a crime scene, a serious crime scene, it could take months for us to get something back. Well, that's because you have so much going into... A small location. Well, like we had here in North Carolina was an ungodly scandal. One, the people that work in these in the crime labs aren't. I'm not going to say they're not edu- their education is good, but I don't think in in some cases they don't have the American Society of Clinical Pathologists breathing down their necks. They don't have, you know, see College of American Pathologists sending specimens in. You know, it's not under the same. You know, Joint Commission, if, if I, I take the next 10 minutes going over all the people whose butt we have to kiss and hoops we have to jump through in a clinical Jayco. laboratory. Jayco, yeah. And oh, sure. I don't think that some of these places have that, that kind of oversight and you get all, you get stressed out people and oops, that one went into the biohack. Yeah, this, people are people. Yep. They get overwhelmed and they make mistakes or they say, well, what the heck? Just give them an answer. Get it off my desk. I've seen o. that happen. Simpson. It all comes back to O.J. Simpson. That's for old people. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I remember that. There's a funny way from Okay, Eric, Eric, let's say I'm out wandering in the woods and I find some hair. Okay. What should I do with it? And if I send it off to a lab, what kind of lab should I look for? And how much should it cost? That I don't. From to me, if if it's a freelance lab, I don't think it should be. You know, this is the day where you can be sitting in your living room arguing with your dad about something and say, hey, wait, I'll Google it. I would say spend a little money, get yourself a half-decent microscope, and if you found a hair in the woods, look it up. You can find images and you can find comparisons of anything that's known for free on the net. You find something, you go through, and you say, well, damn, this doesn't look like anything. Then maybe you start looking for an independent lab, an independent reference lab. Most towns have, you'd have to look under a reference lab, and you want to avoid the big names. There's usually a pathologist or two in a town that have a, in Greensboro, there's a, a pathology group that has their own reference lab that would do hair analysis. Now, as far as what they charge, they're not going to do it for free. And that's where I think the... And that's where I think... Uh, <laughs> that's a cute question. i got to get to that. Uh, <laughs> on the speaker chat. But anyway, that's up to you know the pathologist or the lab manager. And if you find one that's an enthusiast... You know, network. People, 
go and make side deals all the time. Maybe there's a pathologist or a lab tech, you know, a lab tech or a medical technologist like me that's into this stuff that you can say, hey, I found something. You want to check it out? And they'd probably be glad to do it for free. You know, there's different ways of doing it. Yourself, find a friend, or, you know, if you've got deep pockets, find a reference lab. Blackmail somebody. There's some places yeah. in Canada will do a rant, well, like a DNA profiling test for $180. Now, that is just to give you your DNA, your printout. But where do we take it to compare it to something? These places won't have on file things to compare it to. Baseline. Yeah, I would say there's got to be a baseline database out there somewhere. Uh, I'm just getting geared up for some of this myself. I mean, we've had the... Didn't they publish all the human genome stuff? Yeah. Isn't it readily available? I would say start there. Yeah, you'd start there. That's where they So I I would have my printout I got for my $180 of all the little squiggles and lines, and I then would have to send that in for a comparison so that's probably another 100 bucks because i'm i've always been curious because i know there's hairs been presumed to be bigfoot sent in and the dna has been extracted successfully and it comes back to a a unknown hominid or not or unknown animal and i'm thinking why aren't those all these five or six unknown animal DNAs all brought together in one spot and looked at to see if they're all the same. They should be. They absolutely but should be. Done we may have our positive control sitting in somebody's desk, or you know, they should have been. They're, they're, anything that came back is unknown. If it wasn't a artificial fiber and you've got a truly mammalian specimen that came back unknown. Uh, why weren't are bells lying. ringing? And you know why? Yeah. yeah, unless these guys are lying, saying it came back to a unknown mammal. Well, so did the one in New York, and so did the one in Florida. So why don't you just all get together over beer and look at them to see if they're the same? Yeah, I mean that's a, how much is a light? T- how you can make a light table with a fifteen watt bulb and a piece of of light? You know. Plexiglass. I mean, these these should have been compared. Yeah, it's not that hard to do ethidium bromide electrophoresis on a DNA sample. Exactly what you said. And it's a a gel, and you run it, and you know, as the DNA migrates, the band it will give you a different band per given time, a band pattern. And it's not that hard to do. It's not that expensive. And you get a, you basically, you get a, like a negative that shows the patterns. These people, if there's been genetic work done and this unknown sample came up, the fact that nobody took it from there, the ball got dropped. You better bet your butt if I find something that does, comes back as unknown whatever, the world's going to know. I've got something unknown. Let's get together and see what 
what other unknowns compare to it. Oh yeah, there's like there's even Animal Planet a couple of years ago had their uh, Bigfoot DNA revealed. That was their big show. Yeah, uh, there's uh, like you know if they've got DNA, you got it. Let me see it. Right. Publish it so we can all look at it and go, oh look, that one matches up with the one found here and. As long as they're all unknowns and they get compared, you know, you got to start somewhere with your positive control. Yeah. And that would be, that sounds to me like take a known bear dropping, a known human dropping, or, you know, a known bear sample, like a hair sample from a bear, hair sample from a human, run the DNA. You have two negative controls that way. And if you run a DNA analysis and you compare and it doesn't match either one of those, well, then you, you work it up from there. You, you take it up against your negative controls, and if it matches, well, right off the bat, your negative control just disproved your sample. Yep. It's because human, it always... it's bear, it's deer, you know, whatever your base samples are. Yeah. Once you compare Remarkable. and what you've got doesn't, to match any of that. Hey, it's time to run with that. Yeah. Hey, real quick, you got a question from Michael McNeil. Uh, how do you capture ectoplasm? Uh, would you... it be a glass jar or would you put that in a Ziploc bag? I, I kind of answered you wear gloves, you grab a cotton swab or a Q-tip, swab it, and you could put it in a jar. Would that be I would use I would use a sterile Wooden applique, yeah, fancy name for a Q-tip. It's a Q-tip on right. a wooden. Yeah. Uh, use standard cotton. Actually, probably used uh, use the rayon. Use a non a non natural fiber. That way, you don't have any any problems with natural stuff getting contaminating the spe- specimen. Use a rayon swab. And you buy these little conical tubes. They're they're cheap. I mean, we buy them by the ton. It's probably why they're cheap. But they're mm-hmm. they're clean. They've got a screw top. You stick your swab in there, and I mean, get as much of this as you can. The more the rule in laboratory is: the more specimen, the better, because we can do right. repeat testing. You know, I get it. And then, and anything that once you have something like that most likely it should be put in a cooler. Get some reusable freezer packs. Uh, you would wrap it in paper towels, stick it in there, because you don't want it to freeze, of course. you want, to, But you just want it to be chilled out. A lot of people just use, I know when I used to do field research, I would just take the freezer packs and put them in the refrigerator. That way they didn't get to freezing temp, but they still radiated cold. They still kept my cooler above the atmosphere, you know, whatever the ambient temperature for the day was. And on that note, we're going to hop out for our break here at the top of the hour. Two hours down, one hour to go on the SOR roundtable. A lot of really good opinions coming out. Your questions have been absolutely stellar. And of course, be careful of that ectoplasm or scat. You don't want to step in the scat in the forest. You're going to have a poo shoe. That's not going to be good if you're continuing your research. 
You're listening to Space Out Radio's SOR Paranormal Roundtable. Happens the final Friday of every month. We are going to be back right after this break. So tune on in for one more hour of SOR. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with Euphorcop. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Witkowski's Strange Days. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. Have you checked out the SOR Spacewire at spacedoutradio.com yet? Every day we post the latest stories regarding the weird, strange, and completely unbelievable. From cryptid and UFO sightings to the conspiracy world, we tackle it all. Hi there, I'm Eric Markham, Space Out Radio's news director for the SOR Spacewire. And if you have a story, I want to hear it. Email me at news at spaceoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. 
For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio, or our website including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box, the iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box, the spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? Strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy, and I would love it if you'd join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between, hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio, Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you along for the ride. Tomorrow night and Sunday, while I am out finding my zen and my chi in the wilderness of British Columbia, Uncle Jimbo James Tyson and Elizabeth Anglin will be in for Spaced Out Weekend starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern Time. And Mike McNeil, yes, I do see you posting gnomes in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Damn you, Mike McNeil. Damn you for bringing my fear up. 
because I hate them gnomes. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com for Spaced Out Weekend. want to say hello to everyone listening in on the United Public Radio Network live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Thank you for tuning us in. We are live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. Always good to be in Sin City Broadcasting. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for the SOR Space Travelers Club for tonight. Tintinabulation. Tintinabulation is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, Space Travelers, because if you don't know what Tintinabulation is... You're just not a space traveler. Hey, we're going to, right now, while we're on it, we're going to name this SOR Space Traveler of the Month. Now, this person isn't in the chat rooms, but they listen, and and they've joined the SOR Space Travelers Club. We do our draw the final Friday of every month for a nice prize package. Carrie Stinson. Carrie Stinson is your winner for tonight. Thank you very much, Carrie. Way to go. Thank you very much, Carrie, for being an SOR Space Traveler. Absolutely. And get a hold of me on my email. I will make sure that you get a prize package sent out to you. Much a pleasure. We'll bring in the panel one final time. For the SOR Paranormal Roundtable, we do it the final Friday of every month. We are joined by James Tyson and Elizabeth Anglin from Spaced Out Weekend. From the SOR Space Wire, we have Eric Markham and Everett Themer. And from Forest Moon Paranormal and S4 with E-Squared, we have Eric Cooper and his immaculate beard. Yes, they are two different entities altogether. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, I always did a beard. Hey, thanks. Here. Glad to be here. All right, we are going to start off this third hour with a question from me. Why is there so much bloody ego in the realm of the paranormal? We've all talked about it. We've all argued about it. We don't understand it. There's no need for it. Liz, why the hell is there so much ego in this field? Well, you know, I'm awesome, so I guess it's just because... Awesomeness of awesomenessness. No, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's insecurity. Actually, I think it's. Yeah. I think that it is insecurity posing as ego. Um, because you know nobody who goes into this is ever really sure about what they're doing, but if they look like they're sure, then they look like an expert. So the more that you look like you know what you're doing, and you're connected, and you know people, and you've been here, and you've been there, and it's also a lot of con artistry as well um, because you are insecure. You, you don't really know. I mean, some of us do know what we do, like, but there are people who it, it, there is a mystery here. And, and if you want to be an expert in the paranormal, you really have to shine it on big in order to get that paid for. Expert. So, yeah. There, you know, the expert paranormal gurus, the, the, this is what the aliens are all about, and this is what this is all about, and they just they just say their opinion like Dave hates, and and that all of a sudden is becomes the truth because so and so says it's about this, and it's like so and so research by proclamation, <laughs> research by proclamation, yeah. 
because they they don't have anything to hang what they're saying on. They don't have any any research. They don't have any truth. The only thing they have to hang any of what they're they're saying on is ego, or the appearance of ego, and and that's it. Period. End of story. So or, without that, you've got nothing. Or they've written a book. Yeah, and, yeah. and they point they have to a that. Lot of ego. Or, or they're on TV. They've written a book with somebody who's good at the subject and then has a very large syndicated nighttime paranormal radio show. <laughs> but they are also Who is that? Who is that? They've is written that? a book with, they've co written these books with people who actually know what they're talking about. <sighs> Politics. Like endorsing. Yeah. 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 Hey, you know, I co-write a and book. That, you're famous. People will buy it. And that makes them that makes them an expert. Yep. And then you get to have really oh. fancy luncheons with them for 150 bucks at a any kind of Paris something con thing. They put the con in Paracon. Paracon. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's and, the con. It's and the they con. have the they have the real cool T-shirt with R.I.P. on it, or uh, you know. Uh, Ghost or their own teacher. <laughs> or wait, you know, I think they're ta- they're, they're Taps affiliates. Hey, hey, now, well, I think part of it though too is there's nobody to tell them they're not experts. That w- without having and and we've talked about this several times, without having any kind of regulating body, there's nobody to say you're not an expert. Yeah, the the regulating bodies seem to be the skeptic organizations, which then it takes it to a completely other level. So there isn't that in between regulator who just says, well, even on the other side, what makes them experts? You can't I don't think really there could be the any experts in a field that has no hard data. Exactly, it's not like an expert astronomer, an expert chemist. We're in a we're in the wild west on this stuff. There are no experts. Yeah, it, I mean, it's like the problem really? is though that the uh, the skeptical organizations, that are the the bigger ones, the more famous ones, they aren't really skeptical organizations anymore. They uh. have kind of morphed into basically just let's deny this this can't happen. deniers yeah these people yeah. are are making mistakes they criticize any kind of attempt at at any legitimate study or data collection they they really are more close-minded than most of the the believers want to think that they are they're, yeah. they're not skeptics anymore no a skeptic is somebody who I consider myself a skeptic. I'm not going to take your word for it that this happened. Not until I can go to that same site, have it happen, and collect data on it. And then still, you know, I'm going to be very rigorous about what I consider proof. You know, it's like, okay, I think I caught an EVP. But unless it happens again and I get something to compare with, I'm going to look at it as, well, that was entertaining. It's not, you know, I, I am by no means going to consider myself, an e- and even then I'm not going to consider myself an expert on EVP, 
if it happens again and it matches up spectrally it ha- when I do it on, run through the machine and it looks the same I yep. just got a reproduced result now let's dig into it a little more yeah but that still doesn't figure out the fact of why there are so many pricks in this field <laughs> because they've they've gotten paid to be pricks yeah but it's you not know, just people, the money. It's, but yeah but it's not e- even the people even the ones who, that aren't paid it's not even the ones who who are are being paid. I can tell you this at the museum where I do the paranormal. I had a paranormal group try to go right around me to the the organization because they didn't want to deal with me, right? And they wanted to investigate. And then when I said, "Wonderful, I'm going to be down there anyways for it," they're like, "No, you can stay home." And I'm like, uh, "No, you don't tell me what to do." Where does that ego come from? And, and the thing is, it's not just in, in the ghost hunters. It's in the UFO slash alien groups where they're telling people, point blank, yeah, it's a great story that you're telling me, but it doesn't help my research one single bit because I'm all about disclosure or something along those lines. It's in the cryptid, wow. it's in the cryptid world where we see these so-called scientists who are refusing to look at all aspects of the research and choosing their opinion over theory, but they claim they're scientists even though they haven't disproven anything, but it, it's because they want to interject their own ego and their own opinion as what it is as being factual. And it's BS. And it amazes me. It amazes me how many people are out there in this field doing this. No wonder, once again, it gets back to what I said in the last hour, it's no wonder that the mainstream looks at each and every one of us and says, you're a fool. You're, you're an absolute fool. Between the fear-mongering like Alex Jones in the media, telling everybody, oh my God, we know who won the 2016 Super Bowl. It was the sponsors and the owners. Holy cow. You know, get off your high horse, people. We don't know what's going on. That's why we're all interested in this field, because one way or another, we are all experiencers. It doesn't make my experience better than yours, because I've been faced with to face with an alien, and you haven't, but you've seen a UFO a million miles in the sky, and it's just a little blip of light. It doesn't matter. We're all experiencers. We got to come together on this. Drop the ego. That's all I'm well, trying the, to get at. That's that's all well and good, but the problem is, name a field of endeavor anywhere that there aren't egos. I work with some of the snottiest. Let's see, edited for bleep for radio <laughs> people on Earth in the healthcare field. And it's like they faked it till they made it, and now they're actually out there incompetent and dangerous. I don't think there's a field out there, whether it's paranormal or a, you know, a actual, you know, certified style of making a living where you don't have the a-holes. I get that, Eric. I get that. But at least if you have the na- the term doctor behind your name or bachelor's degree of something or master's or doctorate or you're a lawyer or you're something 
of a, a police officer, construction worker, doesn't matter what your career is. Okay, you're a pro, you try to be as pro as possible in what you do. And sure, you can have an ego. We're dealing in a field that is so fringe that people will literally laugh at you. Okay, they will yeah. laugh at you for the most part because they don't take you seriously. They don't take any one of us seriously. And for people in this field to have an ego, and you see it all the time on social media. Okay, where, oh, I had to block this person because they said Bigfoot is a, is a supernatural creature and everybody knows those don't exist. Well, how do you know? Explain to me how you know, because you don't know. It's an opinion that you were trying to prove as fact. So get off your high horse and cut it out. And that's what I think over the last month... If people have heard me, I'm starting to call people out on that BS because I'm tired of it. If it costs me a guest or something along those lines, I don't care. Be honest with our listeners. Our listeners are the most important people that I have and the people who help us on this team behind the scenes. And all of them are on the panel. Well, most of them are on the panel here. Okay, but if we're think about it, and James, I'm curious your opinion on this for the weekend show, and Elizabeth, you too. If we're not honest with our listeners and calling these idiots out for saying, "Oh, well, you must be smoking something good because you believe that 9/11 was a an inside job, or that Bigfoot has no special powers and it's a gigantopithecus, whatever the hell those are, because they haven't been around for a hundred thousand to a million years." It's crap. We owe our on our listeners some sort of honesty to call out this crap. And I'm going to start doing it more. That might be what but our they, purpose is. To we, you know, sure. to, to deflate some of these egos. Yeah. I mean, and, they, and that in its own right sounds egotistical, but I mean, yes, I've got some initials behind my name, but I'm not going to look at somebody who's seen Bigfoot or, you know, I'm not going to offer out a decree on what Bigfoot is. I have no idea. Hell, it could be my long-lost uncle's sisters. You know, I, I don't know. So I'm not going to go out there and say it's Gigantopithecus or even that, you know, I have no idea. And I'm just, I think people who attribute... Uh, supernatural aspects to it. There, how do you disprove them? I mean, there's more evidence that there's something going on with this creature than against it because you have so many eyewitnesses that you know they were scared. They let both barrels of a 12 gauge shotgun go off at point blank range at this thing's chest. It didn't bleed. It walked. You know, there's something to them. They're either made of Kevlar or they can phase it. You know, they must be able to phase their bodies to where bullets pass through them. So, you know, we, we're out here as the voices in the wilderness saying, yeah, abandon your ego and listen to what we have to say or what our guests have to say. You may learn something or it may give you an idea. Hey, let's disprove that. But at least let's disprove it rationally not just by declaring decreeing that oh that's not right 
the paranormal groups going back to the beginning of the question here where where dave they didn't want him in i belonged to one of those paranormal groups um vancouver paranormal just a bunch of jerks other than the people who left and uh it it is still poorly poorly run it is a group of people who will not get back to the client and they will not share what they do they don't want the homeowner to be there, the business owner to be there. They don't want somebody peeking behind the curtain to see what the real Wizard of Oz is because they are unsure of themselves. And it's that because paranormal investigation is not an exact science, you can have all sorts of gear, but in fact, it comes down to the... it. It's... Like we just say in the police, uh, you know, you get in a car accident, most of the time it's the nut that holds the wheel. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the car yeah. would have been fine. It's the idiot who's driving that causes the accident. But And it's these pieces of equipment. If you were standing as an observer watching them use this equipment, you'll realize that I could have done this without calling you. Or that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Could you explain that to me? And they can't explain it because they don't know really how it works. James, oh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get you to hold on right there. I gotta call Eric Cooper right back here because his phone line dropped. So if we hear a ringing sound, I didn't want to in- that to interrupt what you're what right. saying. You know, these if you ask these people, how does an EMF meter work? Or actually ask ask them what does EMF stand for? And they stare at you like deer in a headlight. They have no idea. And they're the ones we're inviting in to try to obtain evidence of something that we're concerned with. And we're getting all these monkeys in with a bunch (laughs) of cool toys and have no idea. And they do not want you seeing them. Screw up. The emperor has no clothes. (laughs) <laughs> and try to experiment. And that is what these paranormal groups will do when they circumnavigate uh, or try to circumnavigate guys like Dave at his uh, at a museum that he actually represents and has some knowledge of what a paranormal group should be doing. And these charming individuals try to get around him because they really don't want anybody to see what they're doing. And then they also don't want the client to see the lack of or evidence they have because it's all mine. It's secret. But we'd like to come back next week to get more. And then next Well, how much do you think some of this is just these these ego these people thinking we'll be the next uh, reality TV stars? Some of the groups. Possibly, but the group I'm referring to, no, they're just uh, weekend warriors. Mm. They, there's no empathy to help the client. I don't know. Maybe it's my training, but and what I do for a living. But it's I can't, I can't imagine just squirreling the data away. It doesn't do a thing for me to have a hard drive full of this evidence I, I, I don't get it it's like a hoarder mentality I just don't get it Well, it, we were what are they gaining by having this we do they all sit around there uh, yeah. it, just... it belongs to TAPS 
So at the TAPS meeting or whatever, these these head the presidents of the groups could get out and say, "Oh, look at all the stuff we got." And it it was an ego stroking thing. Oh, you guys did. Oh. Well. You guys are really busy. Wow, you're doing so. Oh, this is great. And they you know, the tap on the head, and off we, you went for another month. When I was setting up a training program like three years ago, I approached some of these groups and I figured they'd be uh, you know cool about sharing information with. Uh, as far as training groups and whatnot, training teams. And uh, I got, well, you know, for $300, you can affiliate. And uh, uh, then you can, uh, we can, we can talk about training. And uh, it's like, no, never mind. You know what? Have a nice life. Um, and yeah, it's about ego. And it's about, I don't know, I think in, uh, getting their name out there. And I think in some cases, with some of them, it is about getting the next TV show. Some yeah. of them, not all. It's control. It's it's lack of control over things in their own lives. Eric, you're a you're a, a a veteran. Do you belong to any veteran organizations? Um, I'm with the Wounded Warriors, uh, but not really. Okay, because I I belong to a veterans organization here, and some of those people who are in the hierarchy of the organization, mm-hmm. they. You wonder why, like, I'll put stuff forward. It's supposed to go up to up to command, to review, to do something. And they've adopted all that crap paperwork that they can't, that, that was bogging them down in the military. You'd think, you'd think that after 30 years of dealing with that stuff, they would have streamlined it in a non-military fashion. No, it's all in there. But it all came, comes down to control. It, mm-hmm. These guys liked the control over the other people in the group. And we're looking at, and I'm coming in with a bunch of Mounties who have a little more, we talk back to the food chain, upper food chain, and we started mm-hmm. talking back to them saying, why are you making this so hard? And they panic because they're losing control. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And same yeah, with the paranormal groups. They're, it's all about fun. Everett, you got a comment? I had one, but I lost it somewhere back, so <laughs> I'll just keep keep it to myself. Elizabeth, we just brought up MUFON. Yeah, MUFON is that way. You, like, I wanted to speak at the MUFON conference. I thought that I had something valid to say. And I was in western Colorado, and they said, oh, yeah, we won't even consider you to speak at our conference until you speak at a, at a local group in your area. Well, there were no local groups in my area. I would have had to drive seven hours to go to Denver to speak. And they weren't actually having speakers come in because what had happened is they were so rigid that people just got tired of it. There was so much control that people didn't feel the, the group wasn't breathing. So I've never spoken at a local MUFON group or any MUFON anything because you have to join your state, then you have to apply to speak at a local group. If you don't have a local group, you've got to go to another group that actually has speakers, which they may not have. So, you know, no matter who you, if if you're a writer or you're dealing with something, if your state is, is just, you know, has like one person that everybody's sick of, and, and is a dying branch on the MUFON tree, you're out. And MUFON's also exceedingly patriarchal. And I know women who have, like, 
fled because they've hit a glass ceiling in in terms of what they're doing with MUFON. And they've been like, whoa, I'm out. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> you know, why? <laughs> Elizabeth, you, you can come speak at Forest Boom Paracon anytime. Okay. <laughs> well, not anytime. But when it only during the Paracon. Only yes. during the Paracon. Yeah. When it happens. Yeah. Right. Well, no, she can just go there and talk, talk to yeah. an empty room if she wants. Oh. <laughs> Eric Markham, if you've ever been to uh, Concrete Washington, the rooms only look empty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's there are ghosts hanging around every square inch of that place. Everett, you uh, got no, a question. Hey, guys, hold on a sec. Everett, you got a question. Oh, I do? Well, you are should. Are we moving on? We're moving on. You do now. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, there uh, there have been a lot of government releases of UFO information from the Chilean government and the CIA lately. And a lot of it has been largely ignored. Do you guys think that that's because of a lack of interest? Or is it because UFO investigators are maybe giving up on any form of disclosure from a government source? Let me run with that, because I I think it's because there is so much fake footage out there. Fake news. Fake news, fake footage, that if if you become emotionally invested in the story, and you point it out, oh, look what they found. In, and then, you know, two weeks later, it turns out it was a fake. Mm-hmm. And I just think I think the, the public have been burned so many times on this disclosure. I mean, it's become to where I think the disclosure topic is just a ratings boost. I, and so I think people are getting smart enough. Right, the stuff that came right from supposedly... Right from the, uh, you hit it right there. The Chilean Navy or the Air Force, their version of the Navy or the Air Force, <laughs> that stuff was largely ignored. I mean, it, it, except for the fringe of the fringe media, nobody well, seemed to grab well, on it and really look at it. Look at it. Maybe a case boy. of the the boy that cried wolf. The people have heard this so many times. I mean, I even looked at it with a jaded eye. And you know, I'm in the paranormal field, and, and you know this is this, you know the, it just it's hard to get excited over this stuff because there's been so much disinformation, and I think it's planned that way. You know, numb everybody to you throw something out to some people so often, and then it turns out it was a hoax or it was taken out of context. There's always a catch. And I think that the public, by and large, has just gotten to, eh, you know, wait and see. Or, you know, it used to be... What's going to be the new source, then? I mean, so many of these people have relied on government leaks or sources. What is going to be the new standard of, of information in the UFO field? I don't think there's going to be one. Maybe, yeah, maybe the experiencer. Twitter. The You've got to also remember the timing of this release. Uh, North America was involved in some 
something really shiny and glittery going off on in a corner when this was released in early January. Mm-hmm. Wag had, the dog. Yeah, you had the you had everybody in the media focused on the, the new president. You had um, Europe focused on their elections, their French French elections. You've got Germany pulling sideways, and now you have this South American country releasing something from their navy, and we think they're UFOs. And people were going, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Yeah, probably is. Move on. Mm-hmm. So exactly, we've been desensitized to it. Yeah. All you gotta do is go to YouTube, put in UFO footage 2017. We're only two months into 2017, and I'll bet you there's already tens, uh, hundreds of thousands of fake UFO footage videos out there. There is. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, I I don't even bother looking at that stuff anymore because why get your hopes up? You know, the I spend, you know, I do direct observation. When I go out for a cigarette at night, there's a there's a dark area that I can go to and look up. And, you know, while I'm having my cigarette, I'm looking up to see if anything happens. <laughs> I don't think, on one hand, it's like they're trying to discredit the entire UFO subject with all this disinformation. But then again, maybe it's to the point where if you get the people, it, it's almost like a slow crowd control. If that makes, you know, it's or, like when they do disclose, it's going to be, we've heard it so many times that when disclosure well, comes, it's going to be like, oh. That's what know, I was just going to ask. Is this a way a conditioned to response. the truth right in there where nobody even pays attention to what the truth is that they release? Exactly. I mean, at one point, the people in charge have got to say, you know, there's money to be made with this alien technology, and there's, you know, a planet full of suckers to sell it to. We've got to figure out a way to disclose this so that we can, you know, market it to these people, you know, bring this stuff out and make money on it. You know, uh, there's got to be a way of doing that, and I think what you're seeing is a slow cultural manipulation toward, you know, just one day we're going to wake up and it's going to be, when did they get here? <laughs> I, yeah. is, is, but is that a bad way of introducing them? Not really, when you think about it, because they keep throwing the Brookings study Oh, there'll be cats mating with dogs and people screwing knot holes and the religious communities will be up. And, you know, all this dire doom and gloom that was supposed to happen if E.T. landed. I think they're trying to do social engineering to push that in a, another direction where it's just taken in stride like any other, you know, the people have such a short memory now. Mm-hmm. If the new, if it doesn't, hit the news cycle every other day, every, what, 12 hours or something, people have moved on. But getting back to Everett's point, though, why is it other governments are disclosing and 
we're keeping mum on that topic it, and we're not taking it for the credit that it deserves to have, are, is it because none of the big four will admit to it? The big four being the United States, Russia, Britain, and China? Is, is that the tried. reason? Well, China does a lot of disclosure stuff. But I, I don't think read. any of these other... I don't think some of these countries have the gravitas, but. the street cred. That if the U.S. were to come out and say UFOs are real, the entire world would say. And I, you know, not to be egotistical about the U.S., I just think that we have been a bellwether <laughs> of opinion for so long that until we get out there and say, yes, UFOs are real, it's not gonna, nobody's really going to take it as seriously. Russia could come out tomorrow and say, uh, you know, UFOs are real, we've got proof. Russia has such a history under the communist regimes of just putting out BS, that drink, <laughs> you know, putting out false or just outlandish stuff that when it was looked at further it was obviously fake that nobody would take their word for it until the last hey, generation hey, of, here I think the US about, was looked at as an essentially honest nation. Guys, guys we got six people on the panel here we gotta let everyone have a chance to talk eh? who is trying to talk I, well I, I think okay. it's not even so much eagle with the United States as, as much as it is Everyone pretty much has had an idea of the corruption and of the cover-up, so that if they did come out and say, yeah, I'm sorry, we've been covering it up, and it is real, um, that's where the cred would come from, and that's where the other countries would go, oh, wow, they actually came out and said it. But what about Belgium? In, was it the mid-'80s? <laughs> they right. had a whole bunch Belgium. of instances, and the government laid out a report, and... I mean, they're not exactly a third-world country, but it was pretty much just ignored. I agree. No, and, and, there, and, and there's places in Belgium that have hot spots all the time. And, and when you're talking about, yeah, the Belgium Triangle, um, and, and it was taken, and people looked at it and said, oh, wow, cool. And, yeah, you're right. It, it kind of just went by the wayside. And because maybe it's such a small country and there's things that go on there all the time, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that one. Well, France has been very open, too. And France has had a study, too. So it's, it's, it's a, it is a matter of if the United States says no, or if the United States has a heavy-duty immediate presence of skeptics saying mm -hmm. no, um, then the world follows, or people, you know, it, it, it's when the U.S. media picks it up and says, "Oh yeah, this is true," and you get some academics going, "Well, this appears to be true," and then they don't get fried and drawn and quartered um, after they do that. Then, then we'll have disclosure, but it's not, you know. It's it's not happening in the U.S., and that's the issue. I agree. As a non-U.S. USian, um, I I think, and I look at uh, news coming out of 
countries other than the U.S. They don't really care, honestly. In, in my opinion, they don't really care if they have to kind of go along with the U.S. They yeah. just re- they just release what they release. Uh, right. the, the Belgium wave, you know, that actually led mm. into a whole bunch of sightings in Great Britain over the British Isles, too. Uh, it wasn't, you know, they the Belgian Air Force was chasing these things around and picked up by the uh, the UK. Just it was so they all reported on it. But how long do you continue flogging that horse after they've? the UFOs have taken off. The report was done. Like the Belgium Air Force actually released a uh, report on it. Mm-hmm. But once it's out, how how many times can you read it before you people get tired of it? Uh, do you think that might be part of the part of the strategy? Because uh, that Belgium flap was some of the most compelling I mean, the the witnesses were impeccable. The, it, it just it went beyond the scope of what a hoax could be. Oh yeah, you know. But it comes down to it: how many pictures of a UFO or how many pictures of a ghost do you need to prove the real? Well, it's one. The trouble is mm-hmm. trying to convince the person you're showing it to that it is real. Exactly. So, you know, we've we've got that one picture of a ghost. We've got that one picture of a UFO and we've got them thousands of times over. Right. So, so yeah, I about to say still our awakening. <laughs> yeah. And but you know, sometimes I think so many of the iconic pictures of paranormal like look for years every Loch Ness monster book had a picture of the surgeon's photo. And it mm-hmm. turns out after all these years it was a plastic or a clay dinosaur strapped to a toy submarine. It was yeah. fake. Yep. So and, are and people that, getting, have seen these iconic things disproven so often now that even if it is a honest God picture of, you know, whatever, who's going to believe it? Well, I look at, yeah, so I look at the Belgian release. Fake. It's released by the Belgian government the belgian air force were involved the belgian air Mm -hmm. force did the report but what it seems to do to us people in north america unless it's our government releasing it we're not going to believe it it doesn't what is it what is it town if you have boston we had this amazing sighting at rush hour in boston in 1990 and it was basically a UFO floating down the middle of Tremont Street and, and through South Boston and up toward the financial district in the middle of rush hour traffic. Everybody was calling every radio station and saying, holy crap, there's a UFO in the middle of Boston floating down the street. Do you ever hear about that? We, you know, no. it, it, it was that week. Nope. And then it was And also over. the, the uh, Hudson Valley <laughs> sightings. I mean, traffic stopped on a busy interstate or to, because people all saw this thing. Yep. In 1952, well, UFOs fly over the frickin' Capitol. There yep. was your disclosure. 
and we're we still flogging it. O'Hare in Chicago. Exactly. Yep. That, yeah. but, oh, that was no, that was a lenticular cloud. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, my, point, my whole point yeah. My whole point in this is do we really need our government to tell us there are UFOs? Or can we just make up our mind ourselves? I think that's what I think that's what we're being pushed toward. To be honest, Jane, I think that that is what we're being conditioned to do. I think the government knows if they say the legal ramifications of full disclosure, yeah, Eisenhower did sign a treaty. Yeah, we have been letting these guys stick stuff up your butts. It's going to open up a can of worms. Why don't you just do it in such a way that, like like you said, it's just a gradual acceptance and a conditioning. You know, it. I think that's what we're being pushed towards. I mean, I take it but for don't granted. Think, don't you think that that could open up a can of worms in terms of rebellion against the government? People being mad that all of this eventually it would all come out. That wouldn't they be mad that it that the government had hidden that from them for you know sixty and years? How, and how much ammunition did the Department of Homeland Defense sequester away? I mean, you we are so like Eric Cooper has said in times past. We are so overmatched by the Department of Homeland Defense and the military or the that you know we can get as angry as we want. There's really nothing we can do about it. Yeah, we can hit the streets, but the wrong people hit the streets. You'll see just yeah. how fast those guns come out on well, the part of the government. Next, look at the Dapple pipeline. Mm-hmm. Let's get to, let's get to another question because we got time for about one more here, guys. Who wants to go? Um, I'll go. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I had a question. There's a, a certain organization, and, and it's a it's a UFO alien abduction related organization, and the the person who started it is variously claiming to, or claims to have um, things that he doesn't have. <laughs> and um, I'm wondering how you deal, like, is it appropriate to call them out or do you just step back and say, okay, let's leave that alone until they hang themselves? Um, but, you know, what's interesting to me is that this person, their story keeps changing on their qualifications and, who they know, and this gets back to the ego thing. But what would you do? Would you would you call them out on it, or would you just quietly let them, you know, get found out over time? I'll just politely point out the inconsistencies. Like, yeah, well, I wait a minute, didn't you say this earlier? You know, yeah. it says here that you did this, and now it says that you're this, and yeah, you're okay. Yeah, I think it would out. help, especially if, if if somebody within the field starts calling them out. It yeah. will. It could help start building the credibility of parts of the field. Yeah, if they're almost self policing, that's only going to help the cause in general. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's a way of calling out 
and pointing out flaws that doesn't necessarily like grandpa, my grandpa used to say it's all right to call a spade a spade but don't call it a low down dirty rotten scoundrel stinking spade you know there's yeah. a way of doing it that doesn't go over the top and i think with some of these entrenched iconic people it's going to be the quieter voice of dissension that's paid attention to yeah all right good Well, that was a quick question. That was. That's a rarity around here. <laughs> James, how about your second question of the night? Uh, it, it's a what if. Um, back in 1959, you, we just actually were talking about it. The um, UFOs and some other shenanigans over the White House, over Washington, D.C. The same time that was going on in Canada, we had built a a delta-winged fighter that traveled at the speed of Mach 1.9. And it is assumed at one point uh, that actually did a Mach 1.5 fly past over the White House. What do you guys think? Uh, I think uh, what flew over the White House wasn't going very fast. Um, And it was more than one. There was more than one UFO that went over the White House. At the, it was kind of like in formation, and it wasn't going one and a half mock. It was going very slow, which is what what caused multiple witnesses to that one. So yeah. uh, I think uh, you have two different incidents if that was the case. Okay. Well, like the UFO, the one of the most iconic pictures of that. There, there's four flying in a formation. And they're yeah. glowing white discs. There, there's no equivocation. They're not. They don't look like airplanes. They look like glowing white discs. Flying. Right, and there was no it's CGI the back then. So there's no CGI back then, so there's no way it could have been hoaxed. Yeah, this was. These pictures were on in the news. They were on the news. They were in the papers. Mm-hmm. I mean, people. Disclosure happened in 1952. What are we waiting? Yeah. <laughs> I don't so understand. Who was the genius that figured out how to debunk that and get wasn't an entire world to turn book? their backs on? Wasn't there a guy that wrote a, an a, a entire book with pictures over the course of a few decades of UFOs over the Capitol and the White House? Yeah, yeah like probably. Uh, targeted current. specifically at Washington. Hmm. I haven't heard it of it. Say, it, might have, it, it might have been a hoax and he sold, you know, a few thousand copies and it came and went, but I know I did see it. I'm doing a search right now to see if it'll show up there, uh, Everett. Uh... All I'm coming up with is uh, newspaper clippings. But, you know, I seem to have remembered reading something along those lines back in my college days, too, as just a little bit okay. of fluff reading. Jill Algeyer is bringing up Donald Kehoe. That was the one, was it? Oh, Kehoe. He was, he was the one that actually... 
I get these names mixed up in my head, so I'll let somebody. I'll defer to somebody else on that one. I should know, but I can't remember. Um, it's just it. There's so much of this stuff yeah. out there now. It's like, uh, is he yeah, the one he, that? <laughs> yeah, I should know. I can't remember what he did or what he said. Uh, Markham, going back to what we were talking about, uh, was it last night with uh, Eisenhower? Right. I, I was looking. I was looking into a couple things, and you know, he his supposed meeting with aliens was actually, I believe, two or three years before uh, the Valiant Thor story. Well, he actually met with aliens uh, on two or three different occasions. Yeah. It wasn't just one time. He actually met aliens uh, on two to two to three different occasions in like a couple different years. And that kind of makes sense because you, if you take Eisenhower in his historical context, here is the man who is given credit for defeating Germany, the you know the supreme Allied commander in the European theater. He rode that way. You know, people looked at Eisenhower. I mean, you know, when's the last time there's been a campaign slogan as simple as, I like Ike? (laughs) The man's charisma, his obvious intelligence, and the fact his popularity kind of made him, made him what I feel like is the first world leader. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can see where if if ETs were going to meet with somebody, Ike would be the one. I can see that. He'd be the ideal one. He's riding a wave. As a matter of fact, I think he, I've heard theories that he might have had had something to do with uh, Patton's demise because Patton knew where the skeletons were and it was going to you know, come back, retire, and write his memoirs and ruin some political career aspirations, <laughs> supposedly. Uh, that's one of those theories that it's, it's fun to think about, you know. Yeah. All right, well, they Dave, didn't I want to go to war against the Russians like he did. If we got time for one more question. Yeah, we got about three and a half minutes. All right, what do you guys see as important for a paranormal team to be trained in now, I'm not talking science, uh, any kind of degree or anything. I'm talking just you got a group um, for training that qualifies them as being professional. Jeez, patience. <laughs> Hon- honesty. Common sense. Honesty, uh, integrity. I, you know, trying to get the, I, you know, I'm going to ask you and Dave and James those same questions as I try to get mine off the ground because I don't want to have such an iron fist over everything that it's not fun. But then again, I don't want us being the t-shirt wearing jack wagons that <laughs> track mud through somebody's house either. I just think right. there's like professional courtesies that need to be taught. Well, it's code you of know. conduct. Right. And I just, um, wait. And what we're creating in Forest Moon with the QRT is, one, first and foremost, a code of conduct. 
Second, to me, that's important is paranormal protection, making sure you walk out with a uh, an attachment, making sure you uh, don't compromise the, the scene um, with with without protection. Like you hear so many groups out there that we don't need protection. Yeah, yeah, actually, you do. Um, third, kind of fight that probably with mine. <laughs> all right. The third, uh, uh, your, your equipment, knowing how to use it properly and how to do investigative procedure properly. Um, fourth, we're doing wilderness survival. Um, and, you know, we did we, we discussed this on, on, on Spaced Out Radio here last year with these Bigfoot groups that how many of them go out there in khaki shorts, aren't ready for anything. They're up in the mountains looking for Bigfoot. How many of them get lost? I'm not talking about the TV ones. So wilderness survival to me is important. Being military, uh, that, that's ingrained in me anyway. So my team is going to be trained in wilderness survival. So if we're up on a Bigfoot sighting area and part of the team gets split off, they know how to survive. And with that comes land navigation, basic first aid, things like that. So to me, these are four important keys when it comes to any paranormal team. Mm-hmm. I am glad to hear you say that about the first aid and everything because I was I was almost afraid I was going over the top and wanting that. No, no, one of my members is a registered nurse with several years, so I I think she should teach us all. I mean I've had it out the wazoo between scouts and the military and what I do for a living. But you know, I you can always learn more. I'd rather mm-hmm. be overtrained than undertrained. So I'm glad to hear. Well, I'm really glad you said that because now I don't feel like my I don't feel like that's an unreasonable ex, uh, expectation for me to have of a group. No, not at all. Uh, I mean, come on. Being a combat medic for 20 years, of course, first aid is one of the most important things to me. I wish so, I could fly you yeah. out here for a week to teach that course to my people. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen and ladies, i got to wrap this thing up. It is that time once again. We want to say thank you and good night to everyone in the Spaced Out Radio realm and any of the chat rooms on Twitter. Thank you for being part of it. What a great week. What a great month. Tomorrow night and Sunday, Uncle Jimbo James Tyson and Elizabeth Anglin are back in the hot seat right here in... Uncle Jimbo's Cabin for Spaced Out Weekend starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern Time. It's going to be a great show once again. I want to say thank you so much to our panel. Eric Cooper, Eric Markham, Everett Themer, Elizabeth Anglin, and E. James Tyson. Got to keep the E's going in that group. Absolutely. want to say thank you to all of you. Remember... You can follow us on social media. You can listen to this show and others on our Spaced Out Radio Show YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on that. Subscribe to our iTunes channel, Spaced Out Radio. And, of course, we're on TuneIn, Stitcher, RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live. And we've just signed up for Patreon. We're doing a crowdfunding thing here. We want to make this more entertaining for you. Check it out on Patreon.com. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I will be back on Monday. Butch Witkowski will be my guest. We're talking everything cryptid. 
on Monday night. You guys have a good one. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Have a good one. Good night.